0: BLOB TALK RADIO
1: Good morning, everyone, or good evening, or good afternoon, whatever the case may be on this rotating globe, which is rotating into something so extraordinary, so mind-boggling. Tonight is going to be a night of questions. Tomorrow night, we're going to have some answers with a lot of images and graphics and maybe even an arrow or two. You know how I love arrows. But tonight we're going to be posing some mega, mega questions. There is so much swirling around in the public, uh, as Theodore Chardin termed it, the, the new sphere, the mind of the consciousness, um, from all different quarters, with all different frequencies and extraordinarily different polarities. I mean, I had a conversation this afternoon with uh, one of my neighbors who was an avid, 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 avid Trump supporter. And the chilling thing is, with perfect deadpan sincerity, this individual told me that if Biden is inaugurated, he is joining an armed militia to create a civil war. Now, this is someone, he's an ex-Marine, this is someone that I've known for years. The polarizing aspects of what's going on in the new sphere right now are so horrific we are being driven apart and as you know my model has been for several years that because consciousness and the field are interconnected inextricably interconnected as the field changes consciousness changes too and part of the idea of you know uh, being the captain of your soul the ability to resist the impulses from the field that direct you through, I don't know, the mechanisms. We're going to talk to some of our our experts tonight. In fact, we have a very interesting individual, uh, Laura London, who has spent decades looking into Jung, and we're so into archetypal consciousness that when I turn around and look back, I can't see the end of the tunnel. It's really kind of dark in here. So tonight, we're going to try to cast some light. As I said, tonight's going to be a night of questions, and tomorrow night, we're going to provide some answers. Now, that's not a hard and fast rule, because what I want to do is provide enough evidence tonight so that you all can follow the bouncing ball. You all can see the dots that we have connected. So without further ado, for everyone who is new to this program, and there are a lot of you who are gaining audience very nicely, you go to TheOtherSideOfMidnight.com. That will take you to our uh, homepage. Click on tonight's banner for the 5th of December against that astonishing real-world photograph uh, taken of the monolith in Utah by moonlight and by the light of an artificial drone that was hovering overhead. You can see it created tonight's um, banner. So you click on that banner. That will take you to the uh, guest page. And just under the guest page, you see where it says Fast Links to Items. Click on Richard. And number one is a stunning photo of why I was so excited from the get-go and Keith Morgan. Keith and I, I think, were the first two folks, maybe Andrew was a close third, to look at this and not just see that astonishing 12-foot-high steel triangular obelisk but we also saw the background. And as you're going to hear tonight, the background is everything. So click on that. That will take you to an enlarged version of this image. Number two is a news story, an early news story showing that not only had this strange thing appeared on the 18th of November of this year, but on the 27th of November, uh, slightly over a week, almost two weeks, it disappeared. And so this is a detailed story from the BBC of its disappearance. The same day it disappeared, another monolith, another obelisk, because technically monoliths are single slabs like the one in the movie 2001 that we'll get to momentarily. Uh, but obelisks are anything that sticks up just like a like a marker. These are obelisks, triangular, Equilateral triangular obelisks raised in three dimensions, making them mathematically tetrahedrons. Oh, my God, the humanity. Anyway, item number three. The day that the Utah monolith disappeared, the Utah obelisk, a almost identical version, appeared in Romania. But as you're going to hear over the next two days or two nights, there were critical key differences including some built in to kind of get the mainstream to veer away, to deliberately, as you're going to see, arrange the perception that Romania was just a copycat, just somebody not very good at it. You know, the wells were bad and the angles were bad and, you know, kind of like was thrown together. Nope, 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 nope. Deliberate distraction, as we shall prove. Item number three, I'm sorry, four, um, a third monolith. Uh, As soon as the one in Romania, after a couple of days, it had disappeared mysteriously in the middle of the night. Didn't anybody hear in these places webcams and infrared? I mean, come on, you got something really weird and you don't protect it. Anyway, the day it disappeared, suddenly in California, thousands of miles away um, on on a mountaintop, little mountaintop, uh, in, in uh, Northern California, in a place called Ascadero. Another monolith appeared. And again, your first reaction, mine was to, oh, it's copycat. No. As you get into the substance of the research, as you actually dig in to the science, not listening to people, you know, kind of opening their, you know, what's, and just spouting off, you find there is a continuity, a string of numbers that prove that all of these are connected. Item number five, that's a direct link to the Department of Public Safety, the Aero Bureau of the state of Utah, who were flying on the 18th, the, the chopper, in which these four guys, the pilot and three biologists, who were on a mission to count bighorn sheep. You know, one one pundit on on his uh podcast had some really elegant stunning metaphorical analyses you know that it was so fitting in the sense that this thing this monolith this obelisk found in utah it's designed by whoever did it is designed to awake humanity and this guy said i wish i can remember his name he said isn't it interesting that it's found by four guys whose job it is to count sheep, which of course is the metaphorical equivalent of trying to put yourself to sleep. So metaphorically, symbolically, archetypally, the guys who are trying to put themselves to sleep find something to awaken themselves and humanity and the entire world. Looking like how this has gone viral. It's not bad for 2020 so far. Maybe it will get really, really more interesting. Anyway, um, that's the first set us up we're going to cover, which is the the proliferation of monoliths and how we know they are real. If they're real, they're meant to awaken us to this extraordinary human heritage that goes far beyond Samaria, you know, 6,000 years ago, far beyond the confines of this planet, to encompass other places in the solar system, like Mars, the moon, et cetera, et cetera. In other words, a deep time ancient history, which if disclosure was ever going to be real, based on all the stuff that I and my colleagues had been discovering for decades all across the solar system, that NASA has given us data on, the Chinese have given us data on, the Japanese, the Russians. I mean, everybody's in on it. They just don't say that they're in on it. They've all given us this astonishing database, but the public consciousness, that electric spark, that that call in Brookings for the public to make the leap, in fact, is reality, but in such a way that they do not freak out. That was the big bugaboo of Brookings back in the 1950s. The human race can't stand this. They will freak out. We will wind up becoming extinct. Well, that's why it's taken decades to prepare. And so I see all kinds of things that are happening simultaneously now as part of this big unfolding tapestry from the ancient extraordinary history of the human species to what's going on currently in the solar system. I mean, the Japanese sent Hayabusa back into the atmosphere this morning and they now have pieces of an asteroid that landed in the Mongolian high deserts retrieved on its way to laboratories in Japan to be then parceled out something like uh, two or three pounds, I think, they collected this time all over the world by all kinds of independent laboratories. While simultaneously, item number six in radio pictures, the Chinese this week sent an unmanned robot to the moon to a place called uh, Mons Rumker, which is much further west and a little north of the Chang 3 site, and it's on its way home. They picked up four pounds of samples, got into orbit, lowered the orbit, landed, took photographs, uh, ascended an ascent capsule back into orbit. First time in 40 years that an, a mission to the moon has returned samples to the Earth. And in the next few hours, they will rendezvous. Unless I think they—sorry, I, I think they already have. They will wait for the right geometry. They've loaded the ascent vehicle from the surface into the, the return vehicle in, uh, in the mothership, in the orbiter, the Chang five mothership. And then they'll fire that off into the right trajectory. It'll take 112 hours to fall back to earth. So by next weekend on a rush, 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 do it yesterday, 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 the fastest, you know, sample retrieval in the history of robotics, certainly in the history of the Apollo program. The Chinese will have four pounds of samples from this site on the moon, which has never been visited by anybody. And in fact, they kind of, well, they did something very interesting. And we'll talk about that and what that might mean with some imagery that we're going to show tomorrow evening um, that Ron and I have been working on. And so we will segue to that tomorrow. You, what you might want to do between now and tomorrow, your copious spare time, is look at number seven. The Chinese began this unmanned expedition to the moon back in 2013 with the first of the uh, Chinese uh, moon goddesses, Chang three to land successfully in a place they told us was going to be sinus Iridum, the bay of rainbows. And at the last minute, they completely bollocked everybody descended suddenly to a location on the moon in uh, ocean and mare imbrium, you know, called, um, not too far from the Bay of Rainbows uh, at 44 north and wait for it, 19.5 west. My, my, my. And it's only gotten better from there. Um, So we'll get to that, the meaning of what the Chinese are up to, what they're bringing home, how it might f- fulfill a um, scenario that we're going to lay out again with evidence tomorrow night. Number eight, drone footage. While all this is going on, suddenly the most historic, the most amazing, the largest up until recently, all of the Chinese operational radio telescope in the world, the famed Arecibo Telescope, a telescope that I visited and in fact am proud to say is where I defeated my fear, my almost pathological fear of heights by literally walking above the bowl almost 500 feet above the crater floor over which Arecibo was built. Well, the other day, a couple, three days ago, on my drone footage, the whole damn thing collapsed. And so tonight there is no Arecibo to ping radar off asteroids, to listen for intelligence signals, to monitor pulsars, to break the boundaries of science with almost every observation There now is only one such telescope on the planet, and it happens to be owned by the Chinese, who are making very interesting inroads vis-a-vis the moon. Hmm. Number nine. Where all this comes together, of course, is that most people, when they hear about extraterrestrials, they think of UFOs, unidentified flying objects. And there's been a whole... Industry assembled with a lot of independent citizen scientists and political, you know, researchers, experts on Capitol Hill, public policy and all of that to try to get to the bottom of why there has been this systematic, overwhelming, redundant, layered cover up of the reality of the ultra of the of the unidentified flying object phenomenon since at least the 1940s. When, of course, historically, we now know from other research, it goes back a lot longer than that. Well, tonight we have new news. In the midst of what we're going to lay out in the next couple hours is the background for the disclosure process that deals with ships and beings and visits and ancient human history. As part of the model that says that's all one, you can't pull on one thread without it all falling out of the McGee's closet. Suddenly tonight, we have some major leaks from the Pentagon, the developing story of affirmations of the tracking, photography, discussion, policy analysis, uh, and the search for more data on an ongoing uh, UFO phenomenon which apparently is really tagging the US Navy in the 2000s. So without further ado, my first guest tonight is Steve Bassett. You all know Steve as one of the preeminent researchers and policy analysts in this bizarre aspect of extraterrestrial politics. Um, he is founder and director of the Paradigm Research Group. Without further ado, Stephen, what's going on with the Pentagon? What has happened recently is that uh, a couple of uh,
2: docs, which included photographs, got released. Actually, they said they were leaked. Uh, uh, I think uh, the uh, one document, for instance, was um, I think classified as uh, unclassified for official use only, which is Intel speak for "feel free to leak this doc." So, what's going on is ever ever since uh, the TTSA really launched its program, I went to the New York Times and. There has been a lot of adjustments and position going on within the DOD, within the Navy and other parts of the government. They're moving the chairs around, putting in new carpeting, new pictures on the wall and uh, passing docs around amongst each other, which have labels like unclassified so they can be conveniently quote unquote leaked. Uh, This is all in preparation for what's coming. Uh, They're trying to get in position and, and to get on the right side of the issue, because I think disclosure is is happening, but first we'll have to have hearings. So this is the latest in that. There's been a number of these going back almost eight months now. Um, one of the documents released included a photo of what was call, uh, initially called a, a cube. It's not. It's a uh, balloon, probably. It's not particularly significant, but what I love about it, is it, it was t- the the photo was taken by the backseat pilot, the weapons pilot on the F eighteen. You know, he's reaching over the shoulder of the pilot with his with his cell phone camera and taking a shot. It's a very good photo, by the way. Hmm. Excellent photo. Uh which confirms the rumors I've heard that the new I I 12, iPhone 12 Pro has
3: got a camera better <laughs> than what the Navy has. Oh, my god.
2: And I think they're going to replace the gun cameras with these, uh, these uh, just, iPhone 12 just, Pros
4: just and just save apropos, a whole lot
1: of money. Apropos of this, and parenthetically, you know, apropos nothing, you know how long it took for NASA and Mission Control in, in Houston to go from big CRT monitors to flat screens and laptops? Decades, okay. decades. Yeah. The supposedly preeminent engineering outfit in the world, and it took them decades to go where consumers could have gone to Best Buy and gotten a good deal
2: even then. So I encourage people to find this photo. Uh, You can find it on a new site called iBrief, a debrief rather, The Debrief. Very significant new site. Uh, MJ Benias is one of the people involved, Uh, and Micah Hanks is there. They're doing great stuff. This is going to be an important site, and I'm going to be promoting it very soon. And then the other, the other one, though, was a little more interesting. This was a document referring to a photo uh, of a triangle coming out of the ocean and then moving up at great speed. Now, in this case, the photo wasn't released, just a document referring to the photo. <laughs> so Dave Beatty did a, uh, a recreation of it showing what it would look like, classic triangle, little lights on, on each corner. Uh, now, I get that. You see, it's okay to release a photo that shows what is probably a a, a balloon of some kind. It's not cool to, to release a photo. Whoa, that
1: wait, shows wait, wait, a wait, 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 wait. Let's not blow this off too too easily, because again, this balloon seems to be a cube, and the cube is crucial in the physics because no, a, cube a cube is yet.
2: no, it's not a cube. Uh, They've they, they, they blown it up. You blow it up and look at it. It's not right. a cube. It's not even close to being a cube. So
1: then the test would be what was the closing rate between an F-15 I, I and, no and, a, and a piece of you know mylar drifting on the wind? Uh,
2: again, I, what it is, I don't know. But a cube, it's not. And it's not impressive. A triangle would be really impressive. And so that is not going to be released. Well, see, I haven't but seen the, the picture. doc referring to it was leaked. And so they're passing documents around. There's a very interesting memo here uh, which uh, was, was being passed around. Let me see if I can, I can read it to your audience hang on a second. This is, this is what I mean by the guys are shuffling things out and, and, and getting a little more open and allowing things to be leaked because the Navy is pretty much committed to be in the forefront of the disclosure process when uh, the hearings come, which is fine. Good for them. Anyway, this is a, a, a memo
1: from – Well, you know it goes Robert. back to John Paul Jones, right? Well, the Navy is the, cool. The what Navy is constitutional. There are some folks that kind of look at the Army, Air Corps, and then the Air Force and say, you guys are kind of come along lately. So the fact that this is now in the hands of the Navy, to me, is another bullet point that this is serious. And who is calling? I think the Navy just the- called you, Chip, with a compliment. Um so Robert Burke, Admiral. <laughs> well, US it's AM. from the naval base at uh, La Jolla. I yeah. I can't answer it, okay. And so uh, an email is to uh, uh,
2: Stephen Wilson, right, General U.S. Air Force. Yeah. Right. So you see, they're they're even they're even communicating cross uh, military uh, service. Uh, CC uh, Matthew Kohler, also a Vice Admiral, etc. And Captain and another guy. Now Captain these are Donald.
1: current line officers not retired safely
2: so yeah, this, they can yeah
1: absolutely these are this is well this october is huge 16, you got to make 16. a big deal of this because people hear generals so, and military all the time the difference here is these are people that are currently serving the american people
2: yeah but since the tesa started its thing back in october 2017 lots of current military people are getting on board in other words what i'm trying to say is this is not uh, new, this has actually been going on for three years and it's, it's involving. But Steve, most people don't know obvious.
1: that they're not paying attention.
2: Well, I'm telling them now. Anyway. So then the, mem- the email says, recommend that you take a, uh, take the brief. I just received from our director of Naval intelligence, vice Admiral Matt Kohler, uh, on identified aerial phenomena, UAP, SECNAV will get the same brief tomorrow. So they're kind of cross briefing each other, but let's, let's be clear about this. Uh, uh, let, me, let me just read something from uh, uh, an, uh, one of the articles that came out about this. It should be about right here. Okay, uh, here's a statement uh, in the article, in the uh, debrief article. The summer news of the establishment of the UAPT uh, task force seemingly suggests for the first time since the shuttering of Project Blue Book, the Air Force's official investigation into UFOs in 1969, that the Pentagon is now taking the subject of UFOs seriously. Now, let's be clear. That is completely false, but it's politically correct. The Pentagon and the DOD have been taking the matter of uh, extraterrestrial uh, uh, aircraft in our airspace incredibly seriously every minute of the day since 1947. Yeah, yeah
1: but they write it this way because that's okay in other it's words it's called plausible deniability they're yeah, trying it, it to is, get out it, from under the accusation obvious. but it's, not to people who are not following this the mainstream the middle of the curve yeah, that's well, who the, the my my job,
2: job is to let people know that yeah this is bogus this is this is a this is, uh, uh, embargo speak in other words so it's it, it it's more comfortable If people think, wow, they're finally studying it again. And I make this point only to reiterate what I've said many times. What is going on now is not, oh, my God, we just discovered there's UFOs or, oh, my God, we think they're important. What is going on now is that the military services, particularly the Navy, which is known about the extraterrestrial before I was born, uh, are starting to position themselves. And it's a public relations, this whole thing that you are seeing, whether it's this leaked doc or that photo or this witness coming forward or uh, setting up the, the task and uh, in, in last year, or even the maneuver by Rubio to put this request for information into the in the intelligence appropriations bill, relations. They're trying to do stuff to get on the right side of this issue before. The show begins, which I believe is going to start early next year. And this is another example of that. And so you're going to see more of it. Uh, I assure you the U.S. government is
1: still – But documenting- wait, 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 wait. Is this a thing or a bad thing? Oh, it's a great thing. I think it's a super thing. Who cares? We've never wanted to take them out and you know, use Trump's new firing squad. So what's the point? If they can just slide the out I'm from not- under this but we get real truth, that's the objective. I'm not selling
2: the thing or not selling it. I'm just telling people what's going on, right? And uh, the point I was going to make is that throughout the US government, the military services, there are untold numbers of documents, emails, uh, photos, gun camera footage, everything else. And I assure you, it would take months and months and months to even scratch the surface. And what's happening is that now that things are loosening up, and now that we sort of know where we're going, thanks to the TTSA and subsequent developments, uh, these stuff are just bubbling up, right? Uh, and it's very easy. For, and, and also, since October of 2017, uh, a very substantial, I think, portion of the military intelligence uh, complex people are starting to realize that it's okay, right? I mean, you can't just grab something totally classified, walk out the door. But, hey, talk about it, bring it up at lunch, leak a document here, whatever. Uh, yeah, it's okay. And this is just going to grow. Because the truth embargo has been suppressing massive evidence for seven solid decades, right? So I assure you, it's like. Okay, it's I, like I, we, we, we
1: have about four minutes to the bottom of the hour. To me, this is the most important question I probably can ask you, maybe as have ever asked you. I won't hold it against you. Uh, all our discussions have been about human control or non control of the release mechanism, the suppression, mm. the cover up. The efforts at disclosure, political agendas, new presidents, you know, switches at the last minute, all about the human decisions around disclosure. But remember what the cliche is in warfare. The enemy always gets a vote. How do you know that the ETs are not running the show and they're the reason the Pentagon stuff is leaking? They're the reason... Even if they didn't do it themselves, they've impelled terrestrials to lay this network of stunning tetrahedral clues around the planet. In other words, the control has been taken from our guys, and they're running the show.
2: My answer is simple. I have no idea because I don't have direct contact with ETs. However, (laughs) I am quite aware of all the things that have been happening right down here in good old planet Earth, all of which are more than sufficient. To be generating what is happening right now, you don't need the ETS to be loosening up the gears inside the Pentagon or the Navy. Uh, it's happening through the efforts of the TTSA, through the media coverage, which continues to grow. And so, hey, it's look. I I want everybody to win. I want the Navy to win, the DoD, the the the, the, the Congress, the President, the people. I want them all to win in this process. As long as we finally end this. God-forsaken truth embargo undermined trust in government for 70 solid years, not the only thing that's done that, but a considerable factor, and and undermining of trust in government has led the country to where it is today, which is on the brink of falling completely apart and having to be bought by the Chinese to be, I don't know, refurbished
1: or something. Yeah, you heard my allusion to the guy next door who's very serious. Civil war without even blinking an eye.
2: Uh, yeah, there's a lot of people throwing that stuff around. I'm not too worried about it. We had a civil war. We know what a civil war is like.
1: Uh, this will be more like one of those. I'll tell you what. Hold you it know, there. War reenactment thing. We, we are at the bottom of the hour. My guest this morning, my first guest this morning among a cast of thousands is in fact uh, Steve Bassett to bring the current developments vis-a-vis the Pentagon into a phenomenon that, again, from our perspective is a lot older a lot more critical and will be determinative of how the human race evolves when disclosure finally dawns. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return.
5: fresh perspectives on global events.
0: Tune in for a balanced view of the other side of the news. <laughs>
1: And the other side of the news can be heard here on this network, on this channel, on this website, on this URL, every Friday evening, 2 hours, 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific Time. I warn you, you'll miss it at your own peril. back everyone on this saturday night december 5th of 2020 which has been really uh anus horrible as so far and yet there's something that's kind of emerging all around us and the depths of which it's interconnected to the stuff that's going on is frankly quite dazzling before we move into the area of utah and monoliths and obelisks and messages does anyone, and we have a cast of thousands, we've got Steven still with us, uh, we've got uh, Keith Morgan, and Andrew Curry, and Robert Harrison, Kinthea, Laura London, we may be joined by Tim Snyder, all of these folks' bios are on the uh, bottom of the guest page, so I'm not going to bore you with giving what you already know, because they've been on the show many times, but I want to get to the What what does everyone besides me think is going on with the simultaneity of the terrestrial side of this, and suddenly the one institution that Americans still seem to have some confidence in, the military, Pentagon, suddenly you get an exquisitely timed set of leaks that continue to build the story. Someone's rattling their mic? Who wants? Who wants to respond? Don't be polite. Come on. Come on. Well, I'll uh, talk. Super, Ron. Uh,
5: uh, I have to say that I tend to agree with you to an extent that the um, folks that aren't from here are having a um, a driving force in this because we have had so many false flags, so many false starts. Um, and you definitely get the impression that there are windows that open up periodically for all sorts of complicated reasons that we probably that probably includes details that we don't even know about and uh, they come and they go, you know that you can feel attention, it might happen now.
1: It might happen. Well, you know tomorrow. my my prejudice, which is when it's steamboat time, you steam. But the physics is now forming a well, backdrop. Like you can only surf when surf is up. Now there's this window, and it's a big window, and everything is happening at once to try to to affect and take advantage of the hyperdimensional torsion field, you know, acceleration and amplification going on. In this window, as Rick Levine and Laura and I discussed last week. So I don't think this is an accident that it's all hitting the rotating kitchen appliance now. Yeah, but as you said, the enemy
5: always gets a vote. And uh, there are those that don't want this to happen. And that that gets into politics in a generic sense because politicians do not like things upsetting their apple cart. They're very happy with their apple cart.
1: Do you remember what happened when the Berlin Wall fell down and George Bush, uh, the first, was president and press guys were all over the Oval Office, you know, sticking microphones in his face, you know, and they said metaphorically, why aren't you jumping up and down? And he looked into the camera and he said, stability, we must have stability. Governments, whether they're tyrannical or democratic or whatever, they desperately avoid, if at all costs, instability, and this has the potential for huge instability, particularly if we're not driving.
2: I Absolutely. would I would suggest that not ending the truth embargo, continuing this lie in the face of worldwide evidence amassing at a tremendous pace, that is more likely to destabilize than a, a relatively rolled out uh, uh, disclosure process. So I take the opposite view on that.
1: Well, I don't think it's an either or. I think you can have both. It's in how you roll it out. And something you said on on. Saturday, Stephen, has stuck with me. You know, mm. when we were having the after party, and you said that you see evidence in the way this is being rolled out of a positive, open system future where this is a plus, even though it's been kind of couched in, you know, awareness of threats and all that. It really, the bottom line is there's a lot of anticipation that things will change for the better. Certainly. Uh, the, look, what's going on now is kind of what
2: was going on in a different way when 2001 Space Odyssey came out. People were enthralled. It, it was the first film to truly give a sense of what it would like to have first contact, which is what that movie was. 2001 Space Odyssey was a, a movie in which the presence of, of non-human – the, the existence of non-human intelligence – was confirmed the moment they found the monolith on the moon. Now it didn't go so far as to confirm extraterrestrial intelligence engaging the earth which was happening at the same time. Now we're
1: up Yeah, but, uh, but, 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 it, wait, wait, wait remember I know Arthur a bit. The core of 2001 funny you should bring it up we're going to talk about it extensively in a little few minutes was that not only do extraterrestrials exist the monolith the technology etc. But they tinkered in the nursery. Yeah, sure. Which is no it's it's yeah. huge. It's everything. Because according to traditions, only God did that.
2: Uh but that was tinkering in the in the long past, ancient aliens. yeah, but your um,
1: origins, yeah, think, who the hell you are, who you came from, where you came from, it's everything. To so many cornerstone I didn't say, religions. I didn't say it.
2: I didn't say it wasn't everything. I'm simply saying that the reality is that they have tinkered with us in the past. I, I tend to believe that. But they're here. You know, They've tinkered, the, and they're here now. That here now was not present in 2001 Space Odyssey. But now we're headed towards the confirmation that they are here now and have been here for some time.
6: Uh, that will be the hearing.
2: Uh, uh. And what you're going to see is – and it can happen in an infinite number of ways. Uh, people are getting excited. They're getting worked up, and they're going to do stuff. And if that means putting monoliths up, they'll <laughs> put those babies together. I I, I I think that monolith, to me, was like aluminum cosplay. The point is is that monoliths – and people are going crazy about the monoliths. They're not even impressive. They're, what, 10 feet tall? they made out of aluminum? 12. They got they, they steel. Got feet tall. No, not aluminum. No, and no. they got rivets. Steel. Right? Steel. And no, no. stainless.
5: Steel. alien
1: monolith is going to have Who rivets. Who cares if it's alien? <laughs> It's a terrestrial group that knows know, stuff know. they I- should not know that's part of an unfolding but it, plan. But it reflects
2: the level of anticipation and excitement that humans are starting to feel in spite of the fact that they've just gone through one of the worst years in the history of the planet, right? Everybody's depressed. They're getting excited about that. And so that's the that's the perfect dichotomy, all right? Mm-hmm. So you, you're getting – Day after day after day of how many people just got COVID, how many people are in the hospital, how many people are dying, when is the vaccine coming? It just goes on and on and on, unless you don't watch the news at all. And then a monolith turns out in the middle of the desert out west, and people go nuts, and the press goes nuts, basically saying, oh, wow, here's something cool. Here's something that could be profound, and it could be corrected to, connected to extraterrestrials. And then they're turning up – another one turns up in, I don't know, Turkey and then I'm in California. No, 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 God knows no. no, no. Roma- Let's
1: get this accurate. Romania was the next Romania. one, okay. which appeared the, the morning of the night the one in Utah was destroyed. Hey, look, I've been to Burning Man. There's, there's
2: monoliths being put together in garages all over the frigging country right now,
7: but
1: you and have, they're going to get better have, and better.
2: I'm looking for something yeah. like 25 feet tall, yeah, but you 8 need feet a continuity
1: wide, continuity no rivets. Good. What? Why don't you like rivets? It's not meant to disguise itself as an ET artifact. It's a message from mankind to mankind. Anyway, uh, perfect Richard, segue. You don't like rivets either. Perfect segue. I'm, I, I find the rivets on on the one in Utah were fourteen per side, which is of course the double spin of a double tetrahedron. Andrew, yeah, tell us why. And you got to get close <laughs> to that mic. Tell us why we, you, me, and Keith have become absolutely enamored. With the context, the placement, the location of the obelisk in Utah.
4: I'll answer that question, but can I preface it with a couple of things? Anything? Answers? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Of course. Okay. Uh, well, get let closer me to the
1: mic. We're getting echoes. Okay. Is that better now? No. Can you hear me? You're obviously oh. on your computer mic. No, I've it's got my I've got my headset on. Um, it's not working. That's not what it's telling me. Hmm. Hang
4: on Four a second. second. Is that a little better now?
1: It's good enough for folk music. Go ahead. <laughs> okay.
4: Uh, well, the Utah pillar monolith.
1: I, I, obelisk. I it like, a, I like obelisk.
3: obelisk.
4: Obelisk. I mean, it's sitting in the middle of a bunch of faces staring at it.
1: Yes. On all uh, those I mean, canyon walls. I, yeah. And this
4: is so reminiscent of the kind of things that we've been studying on Mars uh, in Gale Crater specifically, and this is not projection, and this is not the Old Man in the, the Old Man Face in the Hills. These are very, very designed elements that we've seen over and over again. And I mean, I'm not denying that we we can see this idea of paradoia in nature, or we can project our inner feelings onto things. I get that that's real. It's it's obvious, but when you get repeated imagery over and over and over again, balanced. Perfect symmetry, facial expressions i mean there there's I, look, Richard, if I really broke this stuff down just in that one wall, I could spend the next six hours you know entertaining your audience at least on one level, but definitely
1: well we're going to do a lot of that tomorrow night, you know tonight yeah, tonight but, for questions because what has been very disappointing to me, even though obviously this is a worldwide network, and I will demonstrate that tonight i'll prove to you that this is not just a bunch of random artists. Or paid off kids that had nothing better to do, you know, and spend a couple of days building a steel, you know, 3D tetrahedron. This is part of a cohesive symbolic unfolding plan with crucial geometric elements that harken back millions of years to what we're seeing on the planet Mars. Well, Richard, so one of the things you said off the
4: top of the show is you said that the the gentlemen who were, uh, I believe, doing a count on. Uh, great horned sheep or or rams and you said well sheep represents sleeping and I'm gonna um, take a slightly different look at that you know Aries is um, the astrological sign for Mars right I mean and and Aries is represented by the ram Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean that that could just be totally
1: well all you're doing is saying the earlier mythos really supersedes the general public and I was Again, this was a general public commentator, and his association with sheep was sleep. And I think the idea of sleep, awakening, sleep, awakening.
6: Oh,
4: definitely cycles with Mars, definitely, because it's also, Mars is also associated with Scorpio, right, which is the fall sign. But I like the idea of associating with spring, and that's symbolic of new beginnings, birth, and and initiation, right? I mean, I Mm -hmm. think we're on the verge, and and that's where I want to- Which, of course,
1: puts this right in Stephen's time frame. Because he's saying and all the politics the smart stuff would believe that if Biden wants to really change the conversation and show how we're united having hearings early in next spring is just the right time frame allowing hearings
4: yeah well we got to wait until isn't it January something 20 before we find out what really happens in that area but let's not go there right now Richard (laughs) Um, whoever it is is going to hopefully do the right thing Um, But listen, one of the things I wanted to say was you guys are talking about, you know, a window that's opening. Richard, you and I, and and many times on the show in the past, we've talked about this idea of a rising tide in the physics. I'm going to suggest that not only is it an opening of a window, but things have taken root. There has been, and again, this is my gut level feeling, that not only is it a window, Richard, or a door and, and an opportunity, but literally whatever the changes that are happening at a deeper level are literally so burdened with potential. I mean, beyond potentiality, it is like absolutely on the verge of a tidal wave. You know, there's a beautiful image. Well, it's not beautiful, but there's that, um, you remember, remember how, 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 how a tsunami works. First the water is in on the shoreline and then mysteriously it just sort of gets drawn out, right? It goes away and people come wandering out onto the, onto what was previously where the water was. I mean, that's mm. the stage that I feel like we're in. This is that sort of everybody's mm-hmm. running for covered. We all have different concepts, including top level virologists and doctors on this planet. I, I, again, I won't go there about what the COVID's all about, but that tide, that water has been sucked out there. And what's coming back in is going to change
1: Everything. This
4: is what I truly, truly feel. Remember,
1: remember, Andrew, my model for months and months and months, backed up by people like Chandra, are that this pandemic, this COVID-19, a designer virus designed to attack species with very specific and a wide-ranging set of long-term issues, fundamentally has been lofted to us by our enemies. No one on Earth, the breakaways, off-planet. And the Chinese, which were the first place disappeared, could well in fact be victims covering up their mendacity, saving face, et cetera, because et cetera, they have become on the planet the new Nazis to supplant what happened before World War II and the breakaways at that time. So the meta picture of who's what and who's wearing what hat? And again, tomorrow night we have some answers provisional answers to some of these questions tonight. I want to raise the questions who gave us this pandemic simultaneously with disclosure at every different level. I mean, remember in the spring, when everybody's focused on the, this disease, suddenly the Pentagon authenticates, you know, what the uh, to the stars Academy and the New York times stuff have been talking about. And the videos posted, they came out like a total non sequitur. Oh, this is real. Well, uh, Richard, again, that's because they
4: know what's coming. Look, look, we know there is technology for, and I don't mean to take all the oxygen. No, here, no, no, so anybody, you're not. No, no, you know, no. We have plenty of time. Well, we know there that there's, if you want to call it technology for seeing the future, I mean, that's astrology, depending on the particular form you follow. I mean, Laura knows that she, she's, she has friends that study this and she's interviewed them and, and presented them to the show and they've been fabulous. So depending on what you're, you know, what Richard, Richard, you and I talked about um, Ronald Reagan, Nancy Reagan and what she did. So we know that, you know, throughout time, um, the elites have used some kind of technology to see the future. So what, whether it's an astrological concept or something more interesting than that. And, and I had a very interesting <clears throat> conversation with Robert Morningstar about that, but that's a totally different <laughs> idea um, that no, seriously, that they may have a way of seeing, seeing shadows of things to come. I I know
1: I'm going way out there. No, 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 because I remember a vivid dinner here in Albuquerque with Robin and me and uh, Whitley Strieber. Uh And we were both talking at dinner. I wish we'd recorded these things. Um, How we both in in our earlier careers had had extraordinary visitors to the middle of nowhere at levels of government that should not have happened. And I said to him, you know, in public for the first time that night, because I'd shared this idea with with Robin a lot. I said, Whitley, what if they have a time machine and they know who is going to be catalytic and those are the people they focus on either to assist them, to prep them for what's going to happen someday, or to get rid of them, you know, like going back and killing your own grandpa. So, I mean, Whitley looked at me and he says, I've had the same thought. Because he had the same kind of out of the box early, early visitations. I mean, why, when I was just this not right behind the ears curator in this little dinky, you know, town in New England, Springfield in this museum, why did I get an in-person visit for two days from the deputy administrator of the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, who, among other things, helped me push my 57 Chevy out of a snowdrift? And this kept happening. Yeah. You know, Stephen Dole Who was the guy at RAND Who wrote and did the whole study on Habitable planets for man Suddenly winds up visiting me In my museum in Dinky Springfield
4: 3,000
1: miles away
4: Yeah, there's something coming That it, it's already here It's already here, they know it People's <laughs> minds and their hearts Are are congealing together In this extraordinary When it's remake. steamboat time, you it steam is. And, and this is what I wanted to ask, um, Stephen. Stephen, I want to ask you. And I've, I, by, by the way, thank you so much for all your work. And I've heard you interviewed many times, and you're great. So I really appreciate that. You're um, my new best friend.
7: <laughs> <laughs> well, listen,
4: I heard you interviewed on, uh, on well, actually, a good good Canadian boy, uh, Dave Scott, who has who runs a show up in the interior here in my province of British Columbia, and he almost got close to a question to ask you. What would you want to – I don't know if he quite asked you, but I was thinking it at the time, and I think I was even trying to get him to ask you that question because he often, like, reads, you know, listeners' questions. But when this starts to happen, when we finally have this revelation, like, for real in the public, what kind of role do you see yourself playing? Because we've we've discussed this among our group of what we're going to have to do and how we're going to have to provide, literally, like Richard – and it brought everybody here services to explain what people are going to start to see because they're going to be completely befuddled, just like Richard was referring to the Brick Institute. So for you, what do you see your role being?
2: Let's not cast it in what my role will be. Let's cast it in what the role will be of the citizenry, the populist role. So as we move forward to disclosure, not surprisingly, uh, the final months and weeks and months of the truth embargo are going to be dominated by uh, organizations like the TTSA, which is filled with military intel professionals, the military witnesses, members of Congress, and so forth, high end. Uh, and they will dominate the stage and only lead to the announcement by the president. Now we're in the post disclosure world. Now, at that point, once that has happened, which is where this is going. Uh, what will, what, where would the citizen science researcher activists come in? Leading up to disclosure, I understand why they're not reaching out to us. Uh, I'm not getting any calls from
7: the, from the Intelligence
2: <laughs> Committee, and, and uh, 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 I don't think many of my colleagues are. Uh, it has to kind of focus there. In other words, to do this, that's where it has to be. Now, the people that are doing this are aware. That prior to the TTSA arriving, some many thousands of books were written on the subject by hundreds and hundreds of researchers, and massive evidence was amassed. Right? Uh, what happens with regard to that? I want to think that after disclosure, in a fairly short, in fairly short order, the, 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 the media, particularly the media – I think I can count on the media – will reach out to those that were pursuing this issue long before the military intelligence complex. Well, realized wouldn't that you the say the
1: analogy it? Steve would be currently because of the constitutional crises and the politics of Trump, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of historians, uh, Michael Betchloss on CNN, John Meacham on MSNBC have been called upon to give us historical perspective to be talking yeah. heads. I would imagine yeah. Given that those of us have actually been doing the homework on this are a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of the population of even one town, let alone the country or the world, we will be asked to be talking heads again on the assumption the system is honest. If there's again, going to there, be, was... if, hang on, if there's going to be heavy yeah. spin, then those of us that tell the truth, you, me, and a bunch of others, we will be excluded and a whole bunch of Fake talking heads will be put in front of the American people to spin the story. What does it mean in their direction? Worst there'll case scenario. Of,
2: there'll be a lot of people with a lot of perspectives. I think the media is going to reach out to the, the, the citizen science research uh, uh, people, including the, the contactees, <clears throat> because that's a whole realm of stories. And They want stories. They want ratings. Yeah. They want content. So I'm not, I'm not worried about them. Whether or not the political class will reach out uh, is not clear. Whether or not uh, people – the the, the citizen uh, science research world will be invited up in the hill.
1: Wait, wait, wait. wait. The the, the sequence following Roddenberry's law, you and me and folks like us, best of all possible worlds, are called upon by networks like my old alma mater, CBS, to come back and fill in – We can do it by remote control from anywhere on the planet. Don't even have to physically get on a plane to New York. I mean, that's one of the good news of the pandemic. We're going to save a lot in making us available electronically. The point is, if we're not called, if the B team is brought in to basically sell a propaganda line, our alternative is, of course, the Internet. And that ultimately will wind up making its way back to network television, the mainstream, where most people who haven't followed this ever are going to be getting their news. But the bottom line is, I think the truth will ultimately rise to the top because there's too many competing channels and people's interest. Once they're given permission, which is the official part of the hearings and presidency and all that, they will be voracious in demanding as much info as you can feed them.
2: We'll see. But in answering Alan's question, I'm simply saying what I want to see happen is for the the people that have pressed this issue against the government under the truth embargo since 1947, 73 years, um, that they are brought into the picture. They are allowed in. They are allowed to be made part of, possibly even drawn upon for knowledge and information, perhaps policymaking and so forth. I'd like to see that. And if that happens, I would hope to be part of that. Uh, it, it, I feel optimistic about the press. I don't know what the government's going to do, uh, uh, but that's, that's the best I can give. I mean I have a lot of things I'd like to do, but that doesn't mean I'm going to get to do them. Uh, uh, but uh, I, my job is to speak for the people. I'm a populist and a, and, a, and a populist advocate. My job is not to speak for the military intelligence complex. So I will constantly bring up and remind people that, hey, you know, long before some admiral over at the Navy suddenly got excited about some photo he was sent, decades before, there were people out there saying, matter-of-factly, there are extraterrestrials here. These craft are non-human in origin, and the government fully knows about it, decades ago. And they've died since then. And they didn't get paid for doing it either. I just want, I'll be raising that point with some frequency. Okay.
1: Hang on at the top of the hour. In the next section, we're going to grapple with the Monolith Mystery. Harkening all the way back to my dear friend Arthur and Stanley Kubrick. A brilliant classic film, the most extraordinary preview of humanity probably since now and the dawning of reality the Utah monolith. Is it really what it sounds and looks like it could have been? You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. in the navigator bar, or in the left-hand column. Membership costs 19.95 per month. That's 33 tetrahedral cents a day. I mean, it's the price of a couple of cups of coffee. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to this show and literally hundreds of previous shows on hundreds of different topics going back to 2015 that we have done. Our archive shows have the commercials removed, and you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the 19-point archives, if you prefer. To enhance your listener experience, a new The Other Side of Midnight podcast is being added to all show pages, which will allow you to instantly search the show archives of Radio with Pictures, thus easily accessing the corresponding show. Plus, you can just as quickly access the entire podcast list when you're on the go. I want to personally thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your continuing support, this show would literally not be on the air. Please continue supporting the broadcast to provide you with the most interesting conversation available, talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought, and if you like what you hear on the other side of midnight, tell your friends and continue growing the show by having them subscribe to Club 19.5 as well, because we need all of you. And when I say we need you, you're the reason we're doing all this. Oakland, over and out. And welcome back, everyone, on this Saturday night. It's 11 p.m. here in the land of enchantment, in the deserts, the high desert, uh, in the middle of nowhere of New Mexico. Anyway, Andrew, let's get back to the uh, monoliths, the obelisk, because hereby hangs a tale. When you and Keith and I were looking at the the pattern, we only had, you know, the two. uh, the, The one didn't arrive for a couple of days. But we found some commonalities. You want to talk about, and we'll show imagery tomorrow night, of of what, in fact, we found?
4: Uh, Do you mean the the faces on the walls, or do you mean the actual um, – the the actual um... (laughs) – you caught me off guard there, Richard. What what do you mean exactly?
1: Well, the context. In other words, it's not an accident that this monolith appeared, and, of course, my test was – Does it have the critical tetrahedral geometry that a real, not an art piece, not a branding exercise, not someone who wanted to get, you know, 15 minutes of fame on YouTube, Mm -hmm. but someone, some group, some entities that really understood the connection of the geometry of the concurrent physics with our ancient history. And when you look at Utah, bingo, it's all there in one place, starting with the latitude, which is a whisker away from twice, 19.47, the magic well, I can, inscribed tetrahedral angle.
4: Well, I can definitely speak to,
1: <laughs> I was going to say, darn you, Richard, maybe start looking
4: at these walls and I can't get out of them forever. But um, I, I actually did a, a, a drawing, if you guys want to go to it on my items, if, if you want to. Um, do you want to do that?
1: Is the Pope Catholic? Yes. Yes. Of course okay,
4: we want so to. Under, yeah. So if everybody goes to the other side of midnight dot com uh and click on the banner and then go to Andrew's items yes, and America, I oh and <laughs> just got a, a a message in my ear. So if you go to number one. What I did is I took a I did a I took a shot of so you click on that and you can enlarge it if you want. On the, and those who aren't listening, I would suggest you know, if you can't get to look at the images right now, have a look at them after the show. Listen to the rebroadcast of this, or or join Club Nineteen Point
1: Five, and you can oh, what uh, an have your Oh, an interesting idea! Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we spend so well, much effort trying to get Im- people imagery that's really important. Well, if this is a big feature of the show,
4: and there's been other shows
1: now that have been uh, copying you. So I think it's something that's quite popular, and I think uh, it's a good idea.
4: So, anyways, my
1: number one, I took a. Now, for, for new listeners, you get there by going to our homepage, theothersideofmidnight.com. Yes. Click on the banner for tonight, December 5th. That stunning moonlit shot by uh, one of the photographers who wound up in uh, Little Canyon. Um, and then that will take you to the guest page. Right under it, it says Fast Links. Click on Andrew. That will take you to Andrew's items. He has done three sketches <clears throat> of what is seen behind the obelisk, in this canyon, oh my God! Yeah. So again,
4: darn you, Richard. <laughs> <laughs>
1: when I okay. Sorry, your mission. Should you choose to accept it? Did you forget that part of the contract?
4: You know, I can see the
1: elegance in the line, even
4: when I haven't studied it really closely. Again, for everybody out there who hasn't heard us in the past, and the sort of imaging crew that's here with with more folks. Uh, we've looked at extensive imagery from Gale Crater on Mars, and we see this kind of thing. We believe we see this this kind of thing on Mars. These incredibly beautifully designed mesas on Mars that are just apparently just natural. But I've never seen nature work. The way, the way that it has on Mars, that's for sure,
1: with tetrahedral buildings and, and you know, smashed uh, sculptures and just... And there's machinery. repeated faces, yes. starting with the amalgam of the face on Mars itself with Cydonia, which I laid yeah. out in 92 at the UN, is a compilation of a hominid sign, you know, maybe Homo erectus, and a feline sign, looking like some kind of cave lion. A pussycat yeah. hominid fusion. And then we've seen countless times, the same kind of both an isolation, that duality on Mars. And then in, in, in uh, association, you know, hominid feline, hominid feline and other species, the the Martian artists did this incredible amalgam of juxtaposing using features of one face or one sculpture As part of another face, another sculpture, a bewilderingly complex, highly sophisticated, three-dimensional appreciation of art. And we find the same damn stuff all over the Obelisk Canyon in Utah. It should not be. It should not be a twice 19.5, and I can get carried away. So continue,
4: please. Well, what I what I did is I looked at this one section, and there's a lot of other shots I'm going to look at. And in this one context, it's uh, again, it's the, the, the guys, the workers who were doing the the head count on the, the three sheet.
1: biologists and the, uh, and the yeah. chopper pilot. It turns out that the chopper pilot was the smart guy. He was the one who stayed up on the butte with the camera, while yes. the biologists went down to the monolith, saying to themselves, "If one of you's beamed up, I'm running." <laughs>
4: Well, what's really interesting, Richard, what struck me on a lot of those videos, and people should really go and, you know, come to the homepage and look at Richard's items and look at these videos. They're quite stunning. This obelisk is literally in a spot
1: where, you know, Richard, it almost feels like a holy space.
0: Yes, it's a temple.
4: if, yeah, it's and very it's very, true. very
1: old because we've got, and I keep interrupting everybody, but you know that's, that's more part of what I do on the show because yeah. I want to insert data when it's relevant, not when we have to think back. what what was he saying? Why is that relevant now? It's a temple because it's of all different eras. There's very ancient eroded faces and sculptures. There's much, much, much more recent, more modern. Now how do we know that? Because erosion tends to even out surfaces. When you have high-frequency detail, like in a couple of those protruding statues up on the wall, on, on, on the northwestern wall, they have to be almost done yesterday because erosion would have eliminated all the fine-scale features. And erosion doesn't do that. It doesn't selectively say, okay, I'm going to erode you, but you over here, you're, 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 you're safe you know, in a desert rainstorm orticity situation with, you know, when, when the desert rains, it really, 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 really rains. It's a what we used to call a gully washer. So there are no protected surfaces. So right. things should generally erode at the same rate, depending upon resistant materials. So you can't have two different rates in the same strata, because it's the same stuff, the same rock, the same sandstone or granite or whatever. So no, the, all kinds of objective tests that we're going to have someone hopefully going to this place in the next couple, three weeks. We will have on-site scientific data to document the visual qualitative impression that both Keith and Andrew and I share that this is a sacred holy space, a temple with an immense history of successive symbolic communicative sculptures, friezes, and pictographs. Yeah, well, you just said it all. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm I'm glad you all guys came for the show. I mean, we'll, 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 we'll,
5: <laughs> yeah, good night, Gracie.
4: <laughs> well, Richard, one of the things that you said right off the bat is you said how these forms seem to extend or integrate or become part of yet another form yes. or a larger form. We see this kind of thing in uh, Indian, like in India, the mm. Hindu temples, where you'll get like – for instance, uh, a carving of an elephant. Well, Ron could probably speak to this better than I can. I, we probably see this in Mesoamerican art, but I know I've seen this in the yeah. Indian art in India. So it looked like an elephant from one from from one. Like if you just focus on the elephant part, but there's an immediate oh, it's also a uh, you know a gazelle or or maybe not a gazelle, but or a person bending over to pick up water or something. I'm I'm making that up, but I've seen this before, and I know um, Keith Laney. Um, calls it nested art. He calls it nested art. I mm. call it more like...
1: Oh, my I God. More, I was yeah. making up a file the other night, and I thought, what am I going to call this? And I literally wrote nested art. Yeah. Having never well, heard it, Laney say that. Wow.
4: Well, it, it definitely looks... And I tried to capture that here. Again, people need to go and look at the images themselves. Um, And, and when you look very close... Look, I'm an artist... I draw every day. I specifically do storyboarding um, for film and television, and I'm constantly drawing faces. I mean, I see subtleties. I have to create them. I know where the shadow on the bottom of an eyelid, or, you know, the bottom of an eye rim goes. It, it, there's a certain spot that every human being has, even animals. And you, you, you just see it. And the artist knows when they can pick up on that. Cynthia knows what I'm talking about. You have to pick up on that that downward light hit because it hits the bottom of your, of your you know, just the rim of the, below your eye. And it's very moist in there. And you always get this beautiful white highlight. I see that over and over and over again. <clears throat> in, for instance, in my drawing, you'll see the eyes of what I think are faces all facing this ob- obelisk They're literally looking into the center point. Exactly. They're
1: all facing where this thing was built. I think a long, long time ago. I know what you're going to say. You're right. (laughs) Okay, you say it. You say it.
4: No, no, you go.
2: You're going to say it more eloquently.
1: That the the obelisk is merely a modern replacement for the ancient statue, which was the veneration center point, the focal point of all the faces looking down from the walls of this canyon at the same location on the floor.
4: And and, uh, Richard, to the left, and I don't have it in this image, are at least two big chunks (laughs) of stone. And they literally look, I mean, you could say, oh, no, there's just boulders that fell off the edge. You know, there was an earthquake. No, 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 no. no. Ron would know this. Like, there's two big pieces to the side that are lying there. Or it may have just been taken out of there. But I have the same feeling that this is a spot where Something was venerated. Something was definitely well. Venerated. Given no. we
1: have a cadre, a certain elite cadre that's secretly been, you know, scanning with all this stuff for decades and decades and decades, secreting it around in some private warehouse, you know, like warehouse thirteen, or you know, private rooms that are opened up with electronic locks. So super billionaires go and sit and look at something that's clearly extraterrestrial. That's an artifact left here, and only they know that they're looking and where it. I mean, all of the ego involved and you look at this this was a public space of veneration and it's extended over i'm i'm sure not if not hundreds of thousands maybe even longer oh yeah
4: yeah yeah and and again this idea of the art you know you'll see one face and that could be like literally the top of one head of this of these sculptures mm. could be to be the nose of a larger sculpture exactly and I try to capture that. I also think I see a cat here, Richard, Like, which from a different angle, and we're going to probably pick up on this tomorrow, could be something completely different from a slightly different angle. You know what this art reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, P- like Picasso's cubism, literally trying to see an object, all of its surfaces simultaneously. Well, what I'm seeing in this, I'm calling it Martian art, um, Richard, because that's where- It is you know,
1: Martian art.
4: Yeah, yeah. There is a multidimensionality to it. They are wanting us to see literally everything at once, which yep. with most human capabilities, that's totally impossible. Now, well, see, now this it. is
1: so cool because, you know, I'm kind of like, yep. uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm an anomaly. <clears throat> I'm a science guy who also has a well-developed uh, right brain. So I intuit things. I see patterns. I connect dots. And then I use my left side of the brain to go and confirm metonymically scientifically that the pattern that I'm seeing is not just projection, but in fact is really there. That's where the numbers come in, right? If you're living in a culture Mm -hmm. where 99.99% of people don't know science. And if you're an artist, your opinion isn't worth anything because you're just an artist. (laughs) In other words, the symbology, the message, the communication, the McLuhan, the medium is Mm -hmm. the message is completely falling through the cracks. Where is my evidence? Empirically, thousands of people, after they figured out where this thing was in Utah, you know, went and visited. Nobody except us has looked at the context and said, "Holy bleepers, Batman! Look at the damn walls." I'd well, say no report said that. Yeah, but they're all YouTube videos. I... They're all posted. You can't censor in the in the era of the internet. Nobody said that.
5: most of them, and, and most of them, brought beer and smoked pot. So I'm what sure that a, I'm because I am sure that a number of people uh, said, wow, look
1: at all the stuff on the walls. And I'll bet it. I guarantee you, this. nobody, that has. Wasn't nobody, what they nobody, wanted nobody, 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 because people oh, these I days have no inhibitions. They write about everything. They write about what happened when they, you know, what they had for lunch. They write about when they visit the john. Come on. Not if it's a narrative.
5: See, you're presenting it as a narrative. You're saying this stuff is happening for a reason. It's happening at a time. And I'm telling you that a lot of people did notice that. Maybe not till they got there. It's not that easy to Where see. Where is it
1: written? Send yeah. me a link. I've been looking. Andrew, am I nuts? I haven't seen. I've been haunting
5: even Romanian Go look social at the high media. The Times webpage or something. They might have something. It's not going in the
1: news. I thought you had it's- data. So you're assuming yeah. that somebody besides us has noticed.
5: From being in, from being in similar, similar situations to that many, many times and a basic knowledge of human nature, I'm saying yes. A lot of people run, came out run, there to have a run, good time. Run. They didn't come out there to look at a metal pole.
1: No, they came out to see the symbolic mystery of the metal pole and why it had appeared yes. in that little piece of desert, and they missed the whole point.
5: Well, and I'm then, making a point here is
1: uh, if you go to
5: holy sites – and you're at all sensitive, or at least calm, uh, then you can kind of feel it. You know, at the very least. I mean, some people it rea- uh, react profoundly. But whether it's a whether it's a well consecrated church, whether it's a uh, whether it's Stonehenge, or an Indian <clears throat> tuck away like that, then
1: when you're there, you can feel it. Yeah, and I remember when I when I first met when I many decades ago I first met the Russian poet back when commies were really bad, 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 bad. You don't want to talk to communists, you don't want to know that anybody knew you, knew a communist, et cetera. Dushenko, the great Russian poet, a communist, came over and was wine and dined and escorted around Cape Canaveral. I was incredibly lucky to be there and to get a chance to meet him. And he spoke pretty good English and I spoke no Russian. So I said to him, you know, in a blush of enthusiasm, I said, um, you know, uh, comrade, I said, this thing uh, pointing to the vertical assembly building where they build the upper stages of the Saturn V, I said, it's a temple. It's a temple humanity's built to what's out there and what we need to know. And he went from this dour Russian to he literally bloomed. There was like this light that erupted from inside because I'd resonated. I connected with him at a poetic level we have built our own temples to our past. We just don't know it yet. Good well, line. Well, speaking, you
4: guys, on this idea of reverence, a few of these figures, to me, look like their eyes are closed. Yes. They're facing the center part of this amphitheater temple thing, but well, the floor of it. But their eyes are closed. I I can really truly see. I tried to sort of represent. If you go to my second image, actually, it's just to focus on my drawing.
1: Uh, So if you go,
4: come out of that and go to the second one, and you can zoom in. And I tried to show that with a few of these. You can literally
1: see. Is this the the camel? Because there's a link you have to Oh, no.
4: It's the second image on my number one. Oh, okay.
1: So it's the big one at the bottom.
4: The bigger one on the bottom, yeah, and and I oh, tried you're to. Oh, you seeing
1: of, four other figures there. Three other figures.
4: Yeah, and their eyes are. To me, their eyes are closed in some of them. Like again, you know, de- depending on the angle. Look, Richard, you brought up a good point. I have another link. Uh, we don't have to look at it, but it's um. Here, I'll come out of this one and I'll look at it just for myself. It's my number two. It's called 2,000-Year-Old Camel Relief Carvings Found in Saudi Arabia. Now, this is from 2018, and I
1: think we did briefly talk about this on the show. Mm-hmm.
7: I
4: mean, we, can cl- we, we can click on it. We might as well.
1: Let's do that. So we click on that one. It's not can... a hot link. It's just sitting Oh, there. it's not a – No. Oh, okay. Actually, well, well, anyways... what we need is a picture. It'd be nice to have the picture. Yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe I'll,
4: I'll grab it and give it to Kinti, and we can throw it up. But Oh, you didn't send it to her. I did – I, the article I did, but I, I was hoping to click on it, it. We can go and look at it later. Anyways, this is from 2018. It's an article uh, and it was in the province of Al-Jaf in northwest Saudi Arabia and it's literally in the desert and there's this outcropping of stone, again, red stone and there are about a dozen life-size, I mean, some of them look bigger than that to me, but life-size camel sculptures. They're relief, mm. and, they, and they, they figure this dates back about 2,000 years and There are, you know, it's funny, I'm drawing what I think I'm seeing here, and so are these people with their little crude drawings. So this is something archaeologists do, which I'm sure Ron could attest to as well. Um, But anyways, these researchers discovered these camels and some other kind of animal, and they're not sure what this might have been used for. But they think, funny enough, Richard, this particular site, and Kinsey and I will work
5: together to get an image up, might have been a place of worship.
7: Mm, Isn't that interesting?
5: Careful, Andrew. Yes. Careful, Andrew. Well, you said my name three times. So like (laughs) Beetlejuice, I may pop into your living room. Careful.
2: (laughs) Well,
4: anyways, so so there's still, uh, you know, questions of what that's all about. And I haven't found any found um, follow-up articles. And I'm sure there's some wonderful, you know, write-ups in some kind of archaeological journal. But the point is that this is the kind of thing that human beings do. Homo sapiens do this kind of thing. On big rock walls, we do it. So there is precedence out there. And sometimes they're, they remain hidden for 2,000 years. And then it pops up in a desert and somebody goes, hey, that looks like a camel. And sure enough, there's block and tackle or not block, I mean, sorry, the saddles. I don't think these ones were wearing saddles. But, um, yeah, you could see it. It's really clear. And we'll, we'll, we'll get that image up. So coming back to my image, if we go back to number one and the second larger image. Um, yeah, what I was trying to show, Richard, was what I think are closed eyes. And you know what's really interesting? There's three figures, and it's, it's, it might be almost better to go back to the original image and even the color image. And they almost seem to be wearing three times in a row like these crowns. It's very, very yeah, interesting. You see yeah. this repeating forms over and over again. Another thing you see, this is why I sort of argue that this can't be nature because I see the eyes. I mean, they're very clear to me. I see the eyes all on the same plane as if it was a bunch of people or beings standing in a row and having their form carved or their picture taken, and they're all sort of facing a certain direction. Uh Nature to me would be way more random. We just have like way more randomness. And what's really interesting with these images is that, you know, some of these figures could be wearing helmets or, or like adorned with some sort of crown, or it might even be, to me, I almost thought I saw extended, you know, heads. Like it's very, very, very interesting. And I would love to see more images Richard, at different angles. But on the video of, I think you said the helicopter pilot was the one standing up, up above on the bluff filming the, the other guys going, the other pilot just yep, yep, going. Down. Yep, To come back to what you said, there is an eerie, and I mean eerie in a reverential way. There's an eerie silence as they move down into the, into the space. It's very, very interesting. You know, Ron and I had this very interesting discussion last week, uh, Richard, about oh. Sorry, Ron. Ron. You're going to have to tell Richard all about it. But it was
5: no. That's it, okay. Go ahead.
4: Well, it was um, no. Well, Ron, you explain it. I don't know if we're getting that here. Although we are seeing holes in, you know, Ron. You know what I'm talking about? The holes in in the in the face and the mouth.
5: Remember that? Do you remember the, uh, the? Oh yeah, you were talking. You were talking about Lamina, the site in uh, Belize. Yeah, that please, I showed you. Please, yeah, please um, explain and about the
4: face and how the mouth was open and the eyes were closed. Remember that? And, and it looked like yes. me singing. Yeah. Please.
5: Yeah. Yeah. And I'd like to claim some provenance for the term Martian art because I plan to make it a thing. I've been taught it. Andrew knows I've been talking about it for a while. There has, there isn't a proper set of terms for that.
1: Keith. Well, I term, think Cynthia uh, has been interpreting Martian art since she got involved Never to be, you know, like the Hotel California. Never to escape from the whole Sedonia mystery. It's know? not
5: the first one. It's the first one who opens their mouth. Uh, but well, that's just a time. What do you mean? Where, it's not the
1: first one? She's stranded. been at this and... for thirty
5: years, opening her mouth. Yeah. Well. All right. We'll assume that nobody goes back past seventy six. I'm not. It's not that kind of a contest. I'm talking artistic structure here. It has nothing to do with discovery. Uh, it's the way that they drew, which is what Andrew was trying – or painted, which is what Andrew was uh, trying to describe. It's, and it's not easy, but it's uh, – I've seen it called a million things because there are some artists that do it. It's not just a trick that's meant to be a trick of the eye. It's meant that there's more than one thing to see when yes. you look at it. And it's just a different it's a it's a different way of presenting context, and it's
1: the association, and, the contextual associations, the yeah. story embodied in the three dimensional rock.
5: You know, right? So you can call them morphics, but that's not, not uh, that doesn't carry that part of the context. But you know, just for some sort of term, it's uh, most of those tricks of light and shadow. I love that term so much mm. uh, <laughs> that uh, that Malin talked about are. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a very real thing. And a lot of people draw that way when they're drawing in a more or less unconscious fashion.
1: OK, uh, I guys, a, I we, a we have a, a large panel and they're all being very silent. Mm-hmm. Laura, you're up. Yeah, well, Psychology. You what in, are we, uh, is this is this tapping into article resonances as part of our suppressed memories?
8: I don't have an answer for that. I actually have a very different take on what's going on here. So I'm just hanging back and listening until I can present my story tomorrow night. Oh, okay. So okay. I don't want oh. to get into, yeah, I don't want to get into a, a contentious debate here. I'm just <laughs> listening to everybody Why should present it be contentious? But no, I
1: understand the, you know, saving your powder it, for when it's going to be useful. Yes.
8: Yeah, but. I just see this, all of this quite differently. So I'm just listening to Good. everybody's everybody's take on it
5: yeah it's not it's not a it's not a debate it's a donnybrook in
8: what sense
1: (laughs) for instance all right maybe now's the time i should insert some numbers from the beginning i've been wondering you know after utah which fit all the criteria numerically geometrically culturally scientifically that that canyon is really important the context and it's martian with an overlay it looks like some of it could be millions of years old. Uh, other features much newer. Uh, there's a geometry, a pointing like a like a like a you know find it here marker, like something out of Indiana Jones. Remember when Indiana Jones took the pole with the crystal at the top, and he had to wait for the sun to be at the right angle, and then the beam came through and you know focused on the ooh, diorama ooh, and all that. Ooh. That's what I think ooh, exactly is going on. Yeah, of course. That's yeah, okay let me,
5: let me say one thing quick that was the point that andrew asked me to fill in on because i didn't remember the name of the place i didn't need her until i looked it up uh there's something in uh belize uh a ruin very akin to this stuff except fancier uh called lamini and it's called uh, called the face temple it's official name because the entire front of it and there's actually a smaller one on the back where the tourists can't get to uh is a is a single face and it looks a whole lot like our friend from Cydonia. And uh, Andrew is quite right. It's portrayed with the eyes closed. It's beautifully detailed, and the mouth is open. You see a couple teeth, and it's hollow in there. So he happened to ask me what that was, and I said often they would have a priest or something. This is a worldwide phenomenon in ancient times, standing back there to go, Your God speaks to you, and this is what he says. Yeah,
1: you know. and... Um, tell you what uh, we are at the bottom of the hour my guest this morning too numerous to mention go to the website check out you know Ron and Andrew have been talking Laura has got some really cool stuff for tomorrow night we'll make some comments toward the end of the show I mean she has to right you're on the other side of midnight we're poised at the edge of the unknown and is there any better place to be than if in fact this is what's been going on. This is just going to get so much cooler. It's going to boggle everybody's minds. And that's the one thing that I think we can be certain of. We shall return. in the left-hand column. Membership costs 19.95 per month. That's 33 tetrahedral cents a day. I mean, it's the price of a couple of cups of coffee. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to this show and literally hundreds of previous shows on hundreds of different topics going back to 2015 that we have done. Our archive shows have the commercials removed, and you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the 19-point archives, if you prefer. To enhance your listener experience, a new The Other Side of Midnight podcast is being added to all show pages, which will allow you to instantly search the show archives of Radio with Pictures, thus easily accessing the corresponding show. Plus, you can just as quickly access the entire podcast list when you're on the go. I want to personally thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your continuing support, this show would literally not be on the air. Please continue supporting the broadcast to provide you with the most interesting conversation available, talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought, and if you like what you hear on the other side of midnight, tell your friends and continue growing the show by having them subscribe to Club 19.5 as well, because we need all of you. And when I say we need you, you're the reason we're doing all this. Oakland, over and out. And we are back on the other side of midnight. It's now coming up on the Witching Hour here in the Land of Enchantment. I want to thank uh, uh Stephen Bassett for appearing in the first part of the show. What's going on in Washington officially, the Pentagon, the recognition of the various uh, political developments that will basically decide whether the general culture takes what's going on seriously is something we're going to have to monitor very closely because I agree with uh, Stephen. The spring appears to be the goal. So let us get back to our uh, conversation. We have uh, other people with us. We've got uh, Bob Harrison, way across the pond in uh, uh, Britain. We've got uh, Keith Morgan, who, of course, has actually visited this remarkable territory. Then I want to launch into a description of the other monoliths and how we now know, beyond a reasonable doubt, that they're all part of a Who wants to go first? all means
6: Uh, if people could uh, sorry if listeners could go uh, back to your items and click on uh, image number one Uh, and I'll start from there I've got some random thoughts Uh, first thought is perhaps we should call these things sent sentinels uh, if you remember the original oh, name the yes, 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 yes. Clark gave the monolith was the Sentinel. Uh, very short
5: applause. Speech. Applause. Just right.
6: <laughs> and it certainly feels like a Sentinel in that um, nighttime picture. Uh, so random thoughts. Well, firstly, there's actually a face uh, reflected in the centre of the monolith, the Sentinel. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you look carefully, there's a darker area. It's a Muppet-like face, very stylized, but symmetrical. So you've got a downturned mouth, and then you've got like two square eyes above it. Can you see it?
1: Which image are we looking at?
6: Your image number one. Oh, okay,
1: the one face on with the dinosaur on the left and another bizarre face on the right of the cleft yeah. in, in the back. And you say in the monolith itself, looking at the near There's side. A
6: reflection.
1: There appears appears to be a reflection which could – see, the problem is, Bob, art is so subjective, Mm -hmm. but I think you're absolutely right. I think that part of the the mystery and the magic of this messaging is you're supposed to look at the monolith itself under certain circumstances. So I'm not saying that's uh, uh, much beyond the pale at all.
6: So yes, it almost seems as if the monolith was set up to reflect that, you know, that. Well, at
1: feature. one level, the reason you make it of highly polished steel is you want it to reflect its surroundings, its mm-hmm. context, which is all these faces looking at it.
6: Right. So another random thought is to the right of the sentinel, we've got this. Uh, this almost like a howling gibbon face.
1: Doesn't it? And wait till you see the comparisons that I found tomorrow night. This is, a key. So we, this is a key to figuring out what's going on here, I
6: believe. So if we think back to 2001 again, think of all the howling ape men <laughs> dancing around
7: mm-hmm. the monolith,
6: which it was in 2001, but the sentinel. Uh, another random thought is that uh, howling sort of eight eight man face, if you like, it course morphs into uh, a bigger broader cat like face, doesn't it? it when you see it at a, another angle
1: exactly and uh, this and the and the tableaus change with angles, it's like guys, it's like the art is all shared, and you get this shifting gestalt depending upon your perspective, your vision. How close you're standing up, the zigzag phenomena. You know, have I been standing up through close or back too far? And when you when they come down in that video, when you go to the DPS link, which in my section is number five, and uh, you you click on that, that opening video where they're going down that that set of of, of um, uh, you know tabular stones at the edge of the canyon, on the far wall, is a huge monolithic face literally embedded in the rock, staring at them walking down into the Canyon. It's sequential of image after image, after image. This is a very special sacred place at twice
6: 19.47. And so uh, another random thought is uh, so how this gibbon like face or ape man like howling ape like man like face merges into this broader, bigger feline face is that you know the face on Mars, left hand side, hominid face, right hand side is a feline pussycat, face. yes, it's a pussycat. But the position, that, so with this dual sculpture, if that's what it is, we've also got the hominid face on the left hand side and the pussycat face mm-hmm. on the right hand side, which is, uh, you know, so, the, so it is isn't matching that particular part.
1: And then from, just across you know, the cleft in the cliff, say that fast, mm-hmm. you have the dinosaur.
6: Yes, there's and lots the... of that's, that's another thing, there's lots of. Reptile like or avian
1: like hawks or falcons, which of course are birds which are prescindent from dinosaurs when they became extinct. This looks like the whole swath of the last 66 million years. Kintia, as an artist, you're being very, very, very quiet. yes she is <laughs> we'll give her time to find the mute i just
5: sent her an email maybe she's checking it
1: okay ron go ahead yeah oh uh no i'm just follow i'm
5: just following the um uh narrative here uh, i want better pictures of the walls i want them panoramic okay. without that without that pesky sentinel uh, from <laughs> well itstrials in the way.
1: It's gone. in fact, this is a preferred yes. time since nobody else is beating you know jumping up and down wanting to say something. Um, yeah. you can you can break in anytime you want, folks. That's the way the show works. I want to talk about the sequence of weird events because as soon as I'd figured out the geometry that this one, Utah, was crucial, overwhelmingly a code key, both geometrically, hyperdimensionally, sight in terms of ancient history could be going back as far as 66 million years to when dinosaurs and hominids had the big war. Then I started asking the question, well, what's going to happen next? Lo and behold, on the fourth or fifth night of the global celebration of the discovery of this wondrous mystery, a bunch of goons came in and systematically on video destroyed the Sentinel, the monolith, the obelisk, And carried it away, saying apparently apocryphally to the photographers who were there photographing this stunning tableau, uh, leave no trace behind. Which, of course, was completely belied by the fact that they left an excruciatingly important piece. They left the top of the obelisk, the equilateral triangle, and they left a cairn of seven stacked stones, each one representing, of course, the seven in total, the number of spins, symmetry spins of a tetrahedron. So the message prevailed and then the polished steel equilateral triangle disappeared to be replaced by a very crude stone and dyed almost like a um, fossilized version of a tetrahedron stuck there next to the cairn. And I don't know what the state of the uh, situation is now because we haven't seen any more recent pictures by anybody since the Sentinel, the lure, the magnet for the desecration of the desert that the destroyers claimed they were protecting, it all went away except for the echo and the fact that the canyon remains. And the canyon will be decoded if we have to send in our own people, which is in conversation. So we're going to get those stunning close ups, we're going to get panoramas, we're going to get the kind of photography that should have been done by the thousands who visited so far and has not. And that will get us closer to confirming the meaning. So anyway, in the midst of all this, on the evening of the 27th, in fact, Steve was on on Saturday evening when the news kind of broke that someone had gone in and destroyed the Utah monolith. Simultaneously, news came of another one that appeared suddenly that morning thousands and thousands of miles away on the other side of the planet in Romania, right outside of, you know, one of the major archaeological complexes. And that's item number three, story of the Romanian monolith. And then, lo and behold, two days later or three days later, a third one appears in California at a little town up in the mountains called Atascadera, which turns out to be also significant significantly unique and i'm looking at these and they're all in different locations they're not like the one in utah at the common latitude of 195 or twice that or whatever so i'm thinking okay if they're linked if there's a code and you know andrew you and i can talk about with keith the uh, significance of the romanian monolith prior to us showing some really intriguing uh, data tomorrow night the question has been are we looking at part of a pattern or just copycatting by average random artists, okay, with too much time on their hands. Well, it turns out that all three of these obelisks are connected. How do we know? You take the latitude of the first one, 38 degrees. You take the latitude of the second one in Romania, 46 degrees. You take the latitude of the third one in Atascadero, 35 degrees. You add them all up. That gives you 119. You divide by three. You get... Mm. Wait for it. 39.66666666 to infinity. As McLuhan said, the medium is the message. All three monoliths were linked. All three were violently destroyed by, you know, the great unwashed, the, the trolls, the, you know, fought police, whoever is suppressing this information apparently is terrified that the general public will figure out what the message is and will wait for the next shoe
9: to fall. Uh, Mm -hmm. Anybody? Uh, Yeah. Um, I've been watching a lot of the sites where people have been.
1: This is Keith.
9: (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. I've been watching a lot of the sites and reading stuff and, uh, I saw, um, I think it was on Instagram, uh, The one of the photographers who put up the thing was talking about uh, what the guys did and what they saw and the guys come in and take everything down, et cetera. But um, nobody ever talks about what's around that. It, they, they never say that. So I've been saying, I know you guys are wearing masks, but are they covering your eyes? Everything's <laughs> in front of you. Just, very good. Very good. But, but you don't I see the it the same way. You're right. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I don't understand how they cannot see what's sitting in front of them. And like you said, I've been to Utah. My son used to live there. And everywhere I was looking in the Utah Arch Park, there was statues. There were artifacts that were just, how do they say this stuff is natural? There's too many coincidences, the odds, the probability of all of these things. Because they're
1: not looking, and their paradigm is it's all, geologists have told them it's all just natural erosion. Period. End of discussion.
9: But then here we are in the middle of uh, where this monolith is in Utah, and here we are on the walls, all of this stuff. And I saw one guy in in one forum, and he said... Am I the only one to see faces in
7: here?
9: <laughs> and I, I wrote to him. I said, "No, you're not the only one to see them." And I said, "I understand why everybody's so fixated on this this mo- uh, monolith and don't see what's staring them in the face. Mm-hmm. How could all these people be right there on the scene and they can't see the details? The the, the uh, I said a puma on one side, face on the other side. There's an eagle in front of To the right side of the puma Mm -hmm. on the other side there's like uh i thought it was maybe a koala or 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 some kind of bear in the upper right hand corner facing right towards that crack that the or, or split in the middle that the monolith was pointing towards um every place i was looking in here there was nothing but these odd weird patterns on the walls that just did not fit and that, that big boulder that was sitting down on the on the ground, it's got a pattern in it. It looks like a monkey's face. The ear is there. The nose. Well, I think I song. think
1: Andrew was suggesting, correct me if I'm wrong, Andrew, that that could be part of the base of the statue that used to sit in the middle of this canyon that all the faces are looking at.
7: Well, I mean,
4: maybe it's possible. It's, it's lying there at like rubble. I mean, it could be from above, too, and it could be more
1: like what... Your model was you mean it rolled down the cliff.
4: Yeah, or yeah, and that maybe that somebody's just taken it away, but it could just be the remnants of it. I mean, again, I think what Keith is saying here and what this other person was talking about is that (laughs) look, nature is if if nature can create that many patterns, so precise patterns that we can interpret that easily, and I mean we can have consensus. We've had it here. Then the no artist, Canthea, myself, any of you here that do any work, or anybody out there listening, we don't ever need to sculpt, paint, <laughs> draw, ever. No, we don't. Never again. Just, it never again. So, no, this is, again, you, I can take you through it step by step and show you, but you've got to look. People, you have to look. You cannot just listen. You have to look. And well, you that's what we do radio with
1: pictures, and that's what we're going to do exactly. tomorrow night. We're going to knit some astonishing patterns together for some conclusions. And frankly, I myself don't want to go there. But the and, data Richard, is driving me. Go ahead.
4: Yeah. And you have to see it within the context of what you're talking about, in terms of the math, positioning. These are not random things. If they are, then again. Well, did we you
1: see it? that story that came out, I guess, yesterday, that's this so-called artistic Community or commune north of me here in Santa Fe is claiming credit for all of this worldwide. And they they claim that they're selling on their website one of these for forty five thousand dollars. And then and then to advertise, well, we'll put the link up for tomorrow night and then to advertise this. They have a picture of an obelisk in a canyon. Nowhere looking like the one in Utah. And it's an obvious Photoshop fake. Uh, the shadows aren't even right. The, 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 the silhouettes, the light, the reflection, it's just fake, fake, fake. So the question then is, were they paid? Because artists always need money. Were they paid as a commune to basically just claim they did it and provided zero evidence? You know, it's like the Internet is now this evidence-free zone where you can make the most outrageous claim. Just make, make a claim. And about 90,000 people will say, oh, yes, oh, yes, that must be right. Without demanding any proof. Well, any. Rich, you can do that. You can do that in mainstream media, too. So, I mean, <laughs> that happens constantly. But isn't that a fundamental part of the problem? I'm looking. Remember how they used to say um, in that great movie with um, uh, Jack Nicholson, few good men? I'm looking for a few, few good men and women. Just one decent epistemologist who I can come and bring on and have discuss how do we know? what we know. How is a human being, when you're born, how do you figure this works, this is real, that's fake, that's dangerous, that's going to get me killed? Because if we didn't, we'd all be dead before we're three.
4: Yeah, exactly. Well, that's, uh, you You bring up another good point about, about this idea of paradoia or projection or whatever. I mean, look, human beings are designed with pattern recognition. If we were, as Bob said, just screaming little, you know, eight men or eight women (laughs) at one point. And if we're sitting in a Savannah and a face comes up, that's camouflaged, but it's got two eyes, a funny little nose and puffy little cheeks with whiskers. You're, you don't notice that popping out amongst the brush. You're going to be lunch. Uh, We haven't, we have an innate ability to recognize faces and, um, it's real, and it's there, and this is amazing. And it's amazing how everybody here is noticing the cats that are there, because that's the main one that I drew. And from a different angle, in fact, Richard, one of the videos that you that that's in one of those um, one of your links shows a higher upshot where the helicopter pilot is, and you can see the cat's
1: face even more. Mm-hmm. And it looks, like, it looks like it's licking its lips. Yes, the... <laughs> yes. Focused on where the obelisk lives now exactly. and where something else, I think, used to live before yeah and I could take you into a
4: canyon around here i'm, I'm I, behind me is our granite granite mountains, and I can bring you into a canyon cut by rivers, and I can look at all the rocks and it'll be totally random
1: and ever so often I might find an old well man let's, in let's, the let's, let's let's segue and give people a kind of a preview of what we're going to talk about tomorrow night, which is as part of trying to gather the evidence. Or were these just copycats, the one in Romania and the one in At Tascadero, or were they part of a network, or they part of a, a system, a, a code? We looked you and I and Keith spent what three, four hours on hmm. Skype looking at the video. The very limited video. I mean it's like you have a place where something appears, it's a tourist trap. A lot of tourists go there. You'd think everybody wanna post on their Instagram page or their Facebook page. Their own unique video selfies, close-ups. No, I haunted Romanian social media sites, and I found only one or two examples, none of which were as good in terms of getting close-ups as that first video that you and I, you know, looked at, and which is available through the uh, links on the other side of midnight. What did we find in the 3D circular around 360 that the photographer? Finally, kind of by accident Revealed
4: Uh, Do you want me to go Or do you want
1: Keith to explain it? Um, Well, since we're on See, Keith If you want to get the progression here Keith and I were talking about this And he said, look at the canyon Look at the walls you know. And I said, you're right And then he said See, I thought it was a monolith Like a slab Like in 2001 He was the first one to point out No, it's an equilateral triangle So instantly, mathematically, symbolically, it was like, oh, my God. So I did the numbers and all that, and it was at twice 19.5. It's oriented off due north, 19.5. It's a equilateral triangle raised in 3D, which makes it a tetrahedron. There's all the physics that goes with this, as well as it as a unique marker. And there appears to be at one place on the canyon, the same thing that Robin spotted on the walls of Coral Castle when she and I went there the first time many years ago. A double tetrahedron inscribed kind of like um, the uh, Israeli, you know, flag, national flag. And it's inscribed into the rock. And, of course, it means the double spin, which is 14, seven times two. So the message on the rock canyon itself is a reiteration of the modern obelisk that's of the same geometry to decode the same physics which is the hallmark of what the canyon is trying to tell us there's no way to avoid this so we were all looking at was the one in in um, Romania was a part of the same code take it away Andrew
4: well the video we're talking about the video right yep yep, yep yep Yeah. so when I came in and joined uh, Keith and Richard that evening we rolled a, or with a bit, the videographer which, who was going too fast. <laughs> people, here's a little bit of advice. First of all, the one good thing that this person did, and it was a fellow, is that he did a horizontal positioning of his camera, which is lovely. I, I, it's so tiresome when people do vertical videos. It's, I don't understand why they do that. But please, if you're going to film something,
1: slow down.
4: Let the camera soak in what it's seen. Yeah, just then, because
1: it's a motion picture doesn't mean you have to move the camera.
4: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Anyway, so the, he, he comes around
4: the backside of this thing. Um, on one side, there's those squirrely little circles that look like some sort of um, sander or whatever it would be, some kind of grinder. Someone
1: had deliberately attacked the steel with a grinding yeah. tool to mess up, to muck up the surface.
4: Yeah. And then he swings around to the other side or pans around to the other side, and he begins to just move on the back. Wall or the back face of this thing, and right away I go, oh, it looks like a face morphing into a cat's face. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It it was literally the textures of the of the metal that were just changing in in the light. As you change
1: the angle, like a what's called a ruled hologram, the image in the bottom panel on the shadowed side morphs from a skull to a cat-like image, to a cat-like image morphing from the skull to a um, primitive hominid at the top, and then as the angle changes, it dissolves into something that looks eerily like the face on Mars. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, is it all coincidence, Richard? Well, I'll tell you why it's not. Because the top of this tetrahedral monument, again, three-sided corner, lifted up you know, 12 feet, nine feet, whatever, it's tilted. It's not a plane. It's tilted at an angle to the vertical by, wait for it, 19.5 degrees. So it's internally self-consistent. Whoever did the shoddy, shoddy, horrible-looking one in Romania, the shoddiness is all part of deception. It's part of getting only serious students, serious people, people who take this seriously seriously. To take it seriously, and the rest are supposed to go away thinking it's some, you know, half, you know, what uh, guy in Romania who didn't know how to create a weld.
4: And so what's so
1: it's interesting,
4: Richard, is we've gone from these Utah rock faces that, on first glance, which are just sort of the rock faces, but then all close surrounding screen.
1: the obelisk, which yeah. was featureless, to where the obelisk itself is morphing into various parts of the ancient humanity, history, given the model. Yeah, and it's very interesting that we go from a very smooth, sort of finished
4: metal to, like we say, a rougher kind of um, textured surface, because where it's sitting, there's no, I mean, it's all grass. And
1: yeah, and what and I'm and... desperately wishing is someone to take wow. a high-quality close-up with a, with a real camera, not this grainy, highly yeah, pegged. Right. Are we getting close to the time? Oh, you're right. We're absolutely right. Okay. Oh. Thank you. See, I get too lost in the conversation. You're on the other side of midnight. My guest this morning, too many to mention. Andrew was just talking. We've got Ron with us, Laura, Bob Harrison, Keith Morgan. Can is being very quiet as an artist? I don't know why she's being quiet. We'll find out when we return. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland, and we shall return. Do not touch that dial.
0: Membership costs $9.95 a month, $0.33 a day. Talk radio with pictures on demand. The other side of midnight.com
1: Welcome back, everyone, to this now Saturday night, Sunday morning edition of The Other Side of Midnight. We're talking about this disclosure process, which seems to have at a minimum two components. I want to swing into discussion of the Chinese now, because the Chinese, while all this is going on, while the Pentagon is revealing new information, Ray um, UFOs, things that go bump in the night, they're also revealing in a canyon in Romania, on a hill in California, a pattern of obelisks that embody the mathematics of a double-inscribed tetrahedron, located at places that are meaningful geometrically to a larger pattern, and ultimately resolved down to the number string 39, 19.5 times 2, and 66666666, etc., which is apocryphally The number of the beast? Who's the beast? My suspicion, which I'll document tomorrow night, is that the beast is depicted on the canyon walls in Utah. We're looking at him and what he symbolically, archetypally contains. Any final thoughts before we swing over to the Chinese? Anybody feel free. Well, well it's
9: me. Uh, the, Keith again. Uh, I think all of these things are there to get our attention and, and focus us on um, the areas that these things are placed in. The one that was in Utah in that, uh, in that little area with all of the stuff on the carvings and artwork and everything on the walls all around it. Uh, it, it was the mon the, um, the monolith was not the thing that was supposed to attract our attention. It was supposed to be what was around it. And now we're at, we've got the one that showed up in, uh, in Romania. And we both saw the fantastic work that was on that. It didn't see it at first yeah it, and it looked like somebody took a, a, a angle grinder grinder and they made circular patterns on one side but then one side looked like the pattern it was on it looked like it was scales of a fish mm. all the way up there Or and down. the exposed leaves each
1: page of a large book but, arrayed rank upon rank upon rank vertically and horizontally
9: yeah uh, and then the, the side that really got our attention is when you thought you saw a reflection of a skull on the ground off the.
1: I thought because the, of the camera angle that what the guys had done for some ritual reason, who knows, is to put a skull, you know, from your local mortuary or, you know, graveyard or whatever. Somebody had a souvenir in their den and put it on the on the ground next to the obelisk out of sight of the camera so you only could see it as a reflection at the right angle in that bottom panel but as the camera continued to move it morphed it changed form multiple times like it was a, it was a little tableau designed to send a compressed message this is how human beings have evolved this is how they have been tinkered with over
9: immense periods of time, yeah, that this looks like because uh, I went frame by frame because I could do that the way I was doing my uh, uh, my scanning with the uh, with the uh, the uh, scroll bar where I could go through frame by frame and look at it slowly, and it looks like it, somebody took the time to embed a hologram into this. Uh, side that we were looking at and the the top half, because there's there's two parts to this. There's the base and then there's a section that the top section is welded onto the base, mm. very shot sadly.
1: but very ostentatiously like you know, just looking, even if you don't know anything about what we've been talking about for two hours, you know this thing comes in two parts, an upper part and a lower part and the mm-hmm. imagery seems to be restricted to that lower part that's welded shoddily on the upper part, all while preserving
9: the equilateral obelisk geometry. And, and above that line on the side that we were seeing the, the holographic changes on the bottom, which caught your attention, uh, I noticed that they had the same kind of uh, grinder circular patterns that they had done at the top. But then when you got down past that, there was a section that just didn't fit. And I couldn't figure out what was going on until I started going frame by frame. And then I saw what was going on is there is an etching in the top half, Mm
7: -hmm. just,
9: just, just below all of that uh, angle grinding. um, And it is another uh, image. It looked like someone used a laser or something to embed um, an image of like it looks like a leopard or or a tiger, and and then there's another smaller one that looks like he's on on down on his four four paws, uh, his head turned, and a tree above him, and you don't catch this stuff until you start looking at this very slowly frame, at by, frame, frame by frame by frame by frame, and then and it stands out, and I'm like, whoever did this, they use. Some kind of sophisticated technology, laser pecker or whatever, to actually engrave this. You're going to have to
1: describe what that is because it's evoking lots of weird imagery.
9: What's a Uh, laser pecker? (laughs) (laughs) There, there is a device that. That's worse. uh, It it caught my attention because the the Chinese uh, some Chinese company was trying to sell this laser pecker. And it, they had a video showing that <laughs> it, it's actually a laser that you can s- stick on a tripod. It faces straight down, and then you can put something underneath of it, like uh, leather or metal or whatever. And then your computer controls the laser and it actually etches into the metal or the leather uh, your image that you want to transfer onto your. your uh, your design pattern. And it's
1: not a continuous wave laser. It's a pulsed laser whereby the term pecker comes from, like a woodpecker. That, 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 and it does it very fast, and so you get a line that's a lot of little holes, depending upon how the laser is moving laterally over the workpiece.
9: And that's That's what caught my attention. Obviously, the the, the (laughs) Chinese... (laughs) The Chinese company that was actually selling this, they claimed it was selling it for thirty-five dollars, oh, but I no way. I couldn't find it for less than two hundred and fifty dollars, and the max is like six hundred dollars, and I'm going, yeah, this is one of those scams that they were pulling again, where they said they were showing. But see, what what why this like. is
1: important is because it shows that if you have a high-end, you know, home workshop, yeah. you're into building cabinets or furniture or lawn furniture or whatever, and you've got one of these gadgets and the milling machine and a rotary saw and all you have the ability to create one of these things with the right codes anywhere on the planet, part of this network connected by this interesting invention called
8: the internet.
9: Yeah. So this, the images that were on this um, one in Romania, that was the most interesting thing when I finally got to see that thing frame by frame. Because, like you said, the guy with the camera he didn't understand what he was looking at because no, he no. just lost over it. I mean, I understand. I really
1: have to applaud him because unlike the guys in Utah, remember the State Department, State Department, the Department of Public Service of the State of Utah, four guys, three biologists, three scientists, one helicopter pilot with smarts to stay away and take photographs. And they walk up to this thing. And what's the one thing they don't do that the reporter in Romania did do on video? Tap it. They tapped <laughs> it in Romania. They didn't touch it. They didn't do any of the sound tests because the first thing you'd want to know, Robin used to always, you know, kid me about it because everything I would encounter, I would, I would tap it. I would give it the tap test, to see if it was hollow. If it was made out of a certain metal that resonates a certain way, you can tell a lot by how objects respond to tapping. The guys in Utah never tapped
9: the obelisk ever. Mm-hmm. Why? You couldn't tell whether it was solid or Exactly. Or why?
1: Why would they not? The guy in Romania reaches up and it goes, and it goes bang, 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 mm-hmm. and you can tell it's hollow.
5: Mm-hmm. Well, I you know heard, why they didn't.
1: Yeah, go ahead, Ron, and then Andrew.
5: I, yeah, I know why they didn't. Uh, they were afraid they'd hear a voice saying, "Who? Who's there?" <laughs> <laughs> no, I,
4: Richard, I think mm-hmm. Ron's right. The the the
5: helicopter pilot was standing up,
4: going, you know, saying, "Yeah, you guys go down there." You know, uh, this is funny that you know. Like, I think they were a little bit nervous and maybe, hey, a bit reverential. Mm.
1: Maybe there was just something about the site too, like it's sitting well, there. Well, it's so funny seat. because when you listen to the video they're you know four guys right in the middle of nowhere Mm
5: -hmm.
1: they're all talking in hushed tones yes you can barely hear the sound on the cam the mics on cameras are damn good these days it's like they're just automatically reverential like if they didn't see the imagery with their left brain andrew did they get it with their right brain and that Mm -hmm. connected at some visceral level
4: (laughs) Well, they were just very careful, even the way they were taking pictures around it. You know, it wasn't like they were holding onto it, like you know, holding someone's shoulder. And even when they had one person on top of the other, it's all very careful. <laughs> that, that
1: reminded me so much of a of a Marx movie, <laughs> or Larry Moe and Curly. Yeah.
7: <laughs>
1: Is this the way scientists measure artifacts in the field? Yeah, it's about two humans high. <laughs> yeah.
4: Well Robert or Robert um uh, uh Ron Richard Ron,
7: yeah Ron
1: Ron what did you say somebody with an r <laughs> Now Robert's <laughs> yeah. listening from from England Yeah yeah Well um
4: you've been mentioning how these these obelisks have been taken down
1: like very very quickly and this brings Oh and to- in a violent fashion I think that's yeah. part of the messaging so is it part of the tableau because the way you get the mainstream of culture to get involved in something these days is you give them violence. Remember, Mm -hmm. if it bleeds, it leads. Fortunately, nobody bled, but the photographers apparently were cowed to let these four goons come in. And I mean, when you look at that image, go to my number, um, uh, number 12. All right. Click on that. This is the image without the overlay of of graphics and and lettering that moon in the upper left-hand corner, it's not on the image. I put that in to connect what's going on with the Chinese, which we will get to with what's going on with the monoliths. But when you think of the photographers who took this picture, this incredibly awesome, mysterious, achingly beautiful picture of mystery, and then realize that moments later after they took this shot, They literally let four idiots come in and destroy this, and they never lifted a finger. How, A, do we know they were separate groups? B, is it all part of an elaborate distraction, the mockingbird on the lawn? C, are they part of the conspiracy? Because the way to continue and enhance the mystery was to destroy this violently and then have another one appear on the other side of the planet At dawn.
4: Yeah, I don't know, Richard. It it, it
9: seems theatrical, doesn't it?
1: Give me your gut. Give me your instinct. You're very plugged in, Andrew. Come on.
9: From my standpoint, I think these guys were uh, part of the whole thing. Uh, I I can't speak for the photographer, Mm. but for some reason, they wanted it gone. And,
1: but they then left the equilateral triangle. If they wanted it gone, why did they leave the one part that really means anything? And how would they know enough to leave that unless they were in on it? The meta-message, the tetrahedron, the key to everything.
9: Well, I think these guys are probably probably part of who put it there in the first okay. place. Because it's just it, it just seemed too coincidental that all of a sudden they pop up and it goes away and and then uh the one in romania shows up we don't know how long the one in romania was there obviously was not there the day before and then the next day is there so uh somebody has an agenda to get everybody's attention but but what is it that is trying to get our attention to the Look at.
1: Well, what did everybody think of? In fact, I was kind of impressed with the panoply of of uh generations, Andrew, who actually seemed to resonate this and they all thought of the uh tetrahedron um uh in uh, two thousand one. The yeah. monolith, right? Not tetrahedron, yeah. the monolith. Well
4: ri- originally it was. Originally it wasn't in, in the Well if you go
1: to ten yeah. and eleven of my section tonight 10 is a careful long description with mathematics and geometry, the decoding of Arthur and Stanley's monolith in 2001. And you'll notice that the, because uh, according to the story told to me by Arthur, when Arthur proposed a tetrahedron as the monolith, as the Mm -hmm. MacGuffin, as the ET education machine, the AI, Kubrick said, oh, no, 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 pyramids are much too cliche. So what Arthur did as a backstop was he figured out a geometry containing the right, you know, ratios so that the the, the slab-like monolith represents a dimensional doorway. It looks like a door, like a big door. And mathematically, it's a circumscribed tetrahedron, which is fitted around a planetary sphere coded in the 1 by 4 by 9 ratios of the monolith. In other words, it's a tetrahedron in disguise, exactly like the obelisk in Utah, because if you scroll down to number 11, this is a piece of art by a brilliant space illustrator named Robert McCall, who has an incredibly illustrious history. Uh, I should probably put that up there so you can go and check his creds. He became, because Arthur saw him, In a project with Look Magazine, he became the official uh, illustrator for 2001 Space Odyssey attached directly to Kubrick. And his concept art featured in orbit around Jupiter or Saturn, not the monolith that we know, but an incredibly supersized tetrahedron orbiting Jupiter as a stargate to infinity beyond. And what did 2001 deal with the genesis and tinkering of homo sapiens? Exactly. What is in this Canyon in downstate Utah. Yeah. With an update, Richard, at
4: the end with the star child. Yes. David Bowman. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Um, we're about 20 minutes after the hour. Um, Laura, surely you have some impressions that will not impinge on what you're going to do tomorrow night.
8: Well, actually, when – so the whole story, I told a little bit of it last weekend on the show about my initial use of the term monolith and – uh, bringing up the images from 2001 happened in October of this year. And it is a long story. It's probably a little too late in the show to start it. And also, I, I don't have my images for radio with pictures submitted um, because I thought we were going to do that tomorrow night. But we are, we are. The, no, but I do have something to say about this graphic that you just mentioned because you and i had some uh private correspondence back in october uh, because of this story that i have about the monolith uh from 2001 so you sent that to me
7: mm-hmm. and
8: right so uh what happened was um i did did the episode of my podcast about it and then what I usually do is I promote it on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And I posted that graphic since it's not mine. I just put it in an Instagram story. Those Instagram stories last for twenty four hours and then they get automatically deleted. And I put that out there and I just lost my train of thought. That's another reason why I am not a night person (laughs) and it is 1.22 AM here in Chicago. I've been up all day working and uh, I don't think very clearly at night. So it's a little difficult for me, Um, but it'll come back to me. Um,
1: Breaking anytime. I want to go to Andrew. Andrew, what's the key thing you (laughs) notice about the McCall piece? The art concept of the tetrahedron orbiting Jupiter, what's the overwhelming message by the artist uh enter here <laughs> yes, oh you mean because of the door on it yeah yeah, yeah. One. and and the scale look at the look at the yeah. size of the spacecraft discovery yeah. compared to the tetrahedron. And- Yes, Robert. And yes, the Bob. the
6: vertices is on the great red spot. Yes,
1: yes. Oh, ding, 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 yes. ding. Yes. Which means McCall either was slavishly following Arthur's precept, and what artist slavishly follows anybody, or he's part of it. Robert McCall was in on the big, big secret, because it's pointing at the 19.5 tetrahedral position of the great upwelling of energy on Jupiter, which is the key to decoding the whole hyperdimensional solar system physics, art.
8: And the, syn- the synchronicity that I experienced was, this has to do with what I was referencing earlier, the, the episode that I did, was on the release of Jung's, Gar seven volumes oh, in this seven.
1: series. of course it had to be seven,
8: couldn't be eight. Could yes, be nine. that, that is packaged in a slip case box that is the the editor, Sonu Shandasani co translator, told me privately in an email that what he had envisioned was the monolith from Kubrick's two thousand one. And the black books are the precursor to the red book. And you just said the red spot. I didn't make that connection until just now. (laughs) And then what you said, why I wanted to chime in is, I think Andrew said it about 2001 or maybe Richard about the genesis of homo sapiens. Yes. yes. Well, well, that's the black, what are the black books in a nutshell? They are how Jung came up with his, school of psychology with analytical psychology they are the genesis for his Mm -hmm. psychology and why i interviewed professor shandosani is because he studies the history of psychologies how psychologies are formed Mm.
1: i need bigger boots because the synchronicities are piling up too fast
8: (laughs) anyway that that's a little bit of what I wanted to get into.
1: Okay. So
8: it, it just reminded all right. me of...
1: Update from Cynthia, who is alive and well, living in Berkeley. Andrews Camels are updating. Um, uh, Georgia also has an item that is being posted. And uh, as I said, we're going to get to answers tomorrow night after we've laid, as the lawyers love to say, foundation foundation. So let me move on. All right. Because while all this is going on, if you uh, scroll back up to my items and you take a look at number six. In the last week, the Chinese have successfully launched to the moon, set down an unmanned spacecraft on the surface, scooped up about four pounds of material, rammed it into an ascent vehicle, fired it from the surface into lunar orbit, rendezvous and docked with their orbiting mothership, transferred their precious cargo of four pounds of lunar material, and are about to get in the right alignment for the celestial window to bring them home sometime in the next few days. Take about 112 hours. All while this furor over ancient monoliths and connections to history and UFO revelations out of the Pentagon and all that is going on. Andrew, you've had some really fundamental questions about what the Chinese are up to. Take it away.
4: Well, Richard, they seem in a
1: real hurry.
4: <laughs> <They>
1: just- <laughs> Did you think?
4: yeah it's like a sprint it's like where this I mean I'm sure that was planned for quite a while you don't do these things in three weeks right oh but no 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 Elon, no. the
1: mission and plan but the operation from orbit to landing to retrieval yeah. to package to sending it home is like it's it's like they want to make a bargain basement sale at Macy's or something
4: yeah the, the,
1: I think the word we're looking for is
4: frantic uh, like it's a, yes yeah and I it, I, I, I mean, I jokingly said um, in the private lines, everybody out there um, today that was there something or someone that they were trying to avoid as they were trying to get their sample? Because I mean, like, you know, relax.
1: There's no one there as far as we know. Right. No,
5: well, no. Well, that's no joke.
1: Hmm. No, no, Ron, pick it up, please.
5: Yeah. No, I said, that's it. Yeah. Uh, you're right. Uh, that's no joke. If, if there was any motivation other than showing off, it would be to get in and get out quick. Yeah, it had that operation. If, if like, look in in film in the film industry, we have what's called, a,
4: well, not supposed to, but guerrilla filming. So when you you know you t- to sort of secure a you like the Blair Witch Project. Yeah, it costs money to secure some place
1: to. Oh, fix, right? oh, you mean the trick that Paul David's pulled? He wanted to have the Macy's Day, not Macy's Day the. The uh, Rose Parade on on New Year's Day in his film about Timmy, Timothy O'Leary, and he couldn't afford the fees and the licensing and all that. So he literally snuck out there with a camera at the crack of dawn in the Rose Parade and filmed the whole thing in high depth and simply asked permission afterwards, because it's all always easier to ask forgiveness than it is to ask permission. That's right. And, and the way that the Chinese are acting, it's, it's, that's what it feels like. It's sort of a guerrilla operation. Well, well they have, remember my model, that the Chinese did not originate the virus. They were victims, the first victims. Why? Because in their previous missions, Chang-3 and Chang-4, they revealed too much of what is on the moon. And I think the virus was an attack against them as payback for being bad agents. You know, bad guys, bad guys. And if you want the details, read number seven, my original piece written back in 2013, the moon goddess Chang, her pet jade rabbit U2, and a flock of lunar crows. That's a metaphor I've used for many years. It only takes one white crow to prove all crows aren't black. Well, Ron and I have been kind of collaborating on looking at the Chinese orbital imagery. So you want to kind of tease without giving them the, the... you know, the answer until tomorrow night?
9: Break time.
1: Oh, yes, uh, break, break.
5: That's uh, a good tease. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, guys. Yeah. In there, we will be back momentarily on the other side of midnight. This should probably sound a little familiar. <laughs>
7: Thank you.
0: To episodes by guest or subject. Membership costs $9.95 a month, $0.33 a day. Talk radio with pictures on demand. The other side of midnight.com.
1: And welcome back, everyone. Sunday night, last half hour. If you want to join us, my uh, thing up here. Give the number. Where's uh, the numbers? Hmm. Something seems to have happened to our blog talk. That's weird. That's really, really weird. Hmm. I wonder why. Okay. When I can, I'll get to the screen and I'll give you the right uh, number. Our guest this morning, we're talking about the Chinese missions to the moon, we're talking about the remarkable pattern of obelisks, tetrahedral obelisks, which have uh, uh, erupted all over the planet in three locations, whose ultimate code comes down to thirty-nine point six 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 to infinity. So, let's see, let me go back to the phones here. Um, Andrew, I think you had something you wanted to say. We've got some calls, and the callers should call 917-889-8802, 917-889-8802. Let me – tell you what, let's take our first call here, since they've been so patient, and we will bring them up, and I'll do this, and you are on the air. Area code 508.
3: Hi, Richard. Great show. This is John Woolman calling. Oh, um, nobody Long time. <laughs> I mean, yes. Um, when I see these, it reminds me of the pyramids uh, here on Earth and, and Mars and the rock tech. I believe the Martians had rock tech that powered everything, airships, uh, just everything. And so when I see these pictures of the cliff walls and, and this uh, temple area, I see lots of rock tech, like in your Richard's Items, number one, that that picture there. You know, in front of the crevice on the ground, you can see like at shape cut out of the ground, and I just wondered if maybe something uh didn't fit there long ago.
1: You put something well the there. question I had from the moment this thing appeared, John, my question was, what is it physically trying to point us to, in addition to the art, the sculpture, the legacy art, the panoply from dinosaurs to hominids it's all there, it's a temple. is there something else? technological that's been buried ground. Yeah, ground radar,
3: absolutely. a library it.
1: something we're yeah. supposed to find because when Robin yeah. and I would go around the world measuring these ancient sacred sites I found with the Acatron stunning signals of buried ancient tech.
3: Oh, is there any way you can go there? And I take did go there. Tests?
1: And I haven't talked about where these are because I don't want the bad guys to go swooping in and remove them before the rest of us get a chance to see. Well, I mean, because of
3: where the model was.
1: Well, we have, let's say, we're talking to a potential emissary, someone who has the background, the funding, the expertise to go and do the kind of science in this canyon that needs to be done, Mm -hmm. that nobody has done up until now. And it's irrelevant yeah, he, whether the obelisk is there or not.
3: Yes, this is the same tech used like the pyramids in Giza that are built over the
1: limestone aquifers. The water yep, yep, runs yep, down yep, and yep. releases now, electrons. Now, by the way, the speaking, thing, of, speaking, speaking of aquifers, do you notice there appears to be water coming out of that yeah. cleft in the cliff? And it just makes me wonder, because these were
3: usually wireless centers that produced lots of wireless free energy for a community. And at the top of your item, number one, there's a blue expanse of sky you can see above the crevice. And at the bottom of that blue expanse, it looks like there's, you can see a wall kind of a, you know, distant that's far away, you know, behind this. But you just glimpse And it just makes me wonder, geez, was this a whole community where this was their power source that powered everything? And they,
1: you
3: know, the acoustics of this place, everything would have inspired to create this energy and this flow and everything.
1: At twice, 19.47 within a whisker. So, see, once you've got the code key, you can use it to figure out the real stuff and the fake stuff. Now, of course, the fake guys eventually are going to figure out that, um, you know, if they put the real numbers in fake stuff, we won't be able to tell. Well, like any good detective, we've not revealed everything we use to figure out the real stuff from the fake stuff. So let them, uh, let them try that. I mean, I'm really amused, uh, John, at these, uh, this, this artistic commune here in uh, uh, New Mexico and in uh, Santa Fe, just a couple of nights ago yeah. they claimed they'd done this, but they reveal zero information to A what how they do it, B what they're doing, or that they seem to understand anything about the association, the cultural association of what they've done. Which of course means they're lying. Gosh, what a surprise. Well, I,
3: I think the code key could be in plain sight in Andrew's item Everybody number one. Once. On the on the left, well side, Richard, you know what's really interesting.
4: Place. What you said about an archive, like, wouldn't that be interesting? Because you've talked about this over the years, like, to, you know, to find these archives. Oh,
1: the libraries. We've got to find yeah. the damn libraries. If this was pointing us to, I mean, look, I if, if you look up on the cliffs behind this little canyon through that cleft. I was just going to uh, say that. There appears to be stunningly artificial geometry on some of those hills, some of those well, eroded you... buttes. You know what this reminds me of? Do you remember that story
4: about Neil Armstrong getting involved in an exhibition in 1976 to something called the Ron could probably Ron I just named you for the fifth time. I think it was (laughs) somewhere in Ecuador, some sort of cave, um, Taya Teos cave or something. It was no, no, no.
1: It wasn't Armstrong. It was Jim Irwin, who was a fundamentalist Christian, and who went looking for Noah's Ark in Afghanistan, etc. and he went to Ecuador to look at an ancient cave in which all yeah. kinds of art has been saved over generations up to and including we think based on another source I have uh Nazi art at uh, at the beginning of World War 2.
6: But uh, but um, Neil Armstrong did take part in that expedition. I, I oh he, he did. did. Oh, I didn't yeah. I didn't remember yes. that. They, they were looking for something like these memory serves me some gold, gold page books or well, something yeah. like this. Well, if you've
1: been on the moon, to be
6: there if you've been time.
1: on the moon and you've seen, that's our ancient history laid out, but you can't talk about it, you wind up doing terrestrial things to, to basically add to your peak experience on earth, pursuing the same legacy, maybe. Mm.
4: Well, and isn't it interesting that in that same year is when the Viking one orbiter caught the face on Mars. I mean, we have all, and, and then we have these, well, okay. <laughs> we have these beautiful Kirby comic books from back in the fifties called the stone face, which then references what Ron was, Ron number six, Ron was talking about earlier yes. about this, this stone face, um, uh, 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 image on Belize on, on this on this ancient temple. I mean, it all starts to just come around, and it's like you're right, Richard. Are we pointing at? And in Romania, remember, we were starting to look at some of these mountains that look oddly tetrahedral. Don't you know? I
1: mean Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the uh, things I haven't been able to reach is Sam, as but obviously we're going to continue this, and I may have him on next weekend um, to to talk about his comparative studies there in Bosnia. With, I mean, has he ever looked at Romania? Mm. Has he ever looked at Google Earth images of Romania? I've looked at randomly all oh, over right. the planet, and I find evidence of ancient mega, mega Earth architecture, like huge mile-sized pyramids all over the planet. I mean, I'm literally living in the shadows of the Sandias, and I look up there often, and I see things, frankly, ladies and gentlemen, that appear to have been, shall we say, altered. The landscape is not natural. And uh, when Robin was alive, we could never get up there because things got progressively worse, and ultimately that was not possible. But we had a dinner where one of the geologists that I you know, knew from her association, uh, we had this kind of dinner where we all talked about a project to go up there and measure some of this, including with the Acatron. So that's part of what uh, someday will have to be done. John, any, any closing thoughts?
3: Uh, no, if anybody can get there with some ground radar, John? And, uh, you know, formal imaging and that and whole you- thing would be great.
5: That's
1: usually what it is. Or maybe he's thinking deep, deep thoughts. <laughs> well, while he's
5: thinking deep thoughts, here's your teaser <laughs> for tomorrow. Um, based on the fact that, um, Andrew brought up the Lamini face temple. Uh, I'll have some pictures up for tomorrow's show.
3: Okay.
1: John, let's try it one more time. Are
3: a,
5: you a, there? A um, can you hear me now?
1: There you are.
3: There you are. You... Yes. I if anyone out there in the listening audience can can get there with some thermal imaging, the ground radar, the whole thing, that's what we gotta do.
1: Well we don't want a bunch of amateurs amateurs stampeding and destroying the evidence. We need a structured scientific (laughs) investigation. And as I said, we are working behind the scenes on someone who's the perfect person. If they choose to accept the mission, we may be able to announce that in as little as a few days. We will let you know. I think we have a
3: good idea of who that might be. Well,
1: please keep (laughs) it to yourself, Okay. All right, John, I'm going to goodnight (laughs) you. I'm going to open up the lines anybody else wants to call in. Um, We're basically – let me see. We're probably within um, almost 50 minutes of the end of the show. So it's time to think, wrap-up thoughts. Where is this going? Remember, science is nothing if it's not prediction. I said if this was a pattern, if these were real, there'd be three of them. There were three of them. What do you think about the forces which are eliminating these violently? Andrew?
4: Yeah, well I had a link and we don't need to go to it because it's a YouTube uh, uh um video but it's a fellow that I'm hope I'm trying to get him on your show actually Richard his name is Praveen Mohan uh he's from India and he goes around to these ancient sites like mostly Hindu temples and he's trying to sort of uncover the ancient science that he believes is you know was there to motivate these these temples and actually on john jonathan's note about stone architecture uh praveen actually shows these incredible um, lingams that actually rotate richard and they change resonance to affect even (laughs) flocks of birds yeah it's amazing and he is being shut down by youtube for the most ridiculous reasons so when these things are being torn down, these no, obel- no have, have have you communicated with him directly? I have someone else reaching out to him who who is our my, my friend Arun.
1: Yeah, because I'd love to get him on the show, obviously.
4: Yeah. Yeah. But it's amazing that at this time that we see these obelisks go up, we see these markers that are definitely trying to tell us something, and maybe like you say, they're pointing us in a certain direction. Wouldn't that be interesting? But it gets ripped down at the same time. It's and then you know, you have this fellow, you know, it's just a random thing that I, I happen to pop across because I subscribe to his channel. And he's all going, they're trying to shut me down. They don't want this because he gets a lot of young kids, Richard, really interested in his work. And people send him images from archaeological sites all over the world oh. asking, what do you think about this? And they're starting to get on him now and shut him down. So they don't, there's another side, that the black hats that don't want this out. And they're proving it by possibly tearing down these obelisks before we can figure out what's going on.
1: But see, I think it's <clears throat> uh, what's what, kind of counterproductive because the thing that made everybody pay attention was, A, the destruction of Utah, the appearance suddenly of Romania, the disappearance of Romania, the sudden appearance in Atascadera, and then the destruction with a wild, bizarre video of the people who claim to do it for God, country... God is king. and We don't want any blankety-blank aliens either from Mexico or outer space. This is getting us into – remember Art Bell's biggest fear of disclosure? Who, who's, who's of that ilk? Ron?
5: Well, I'm that old, but I don't remember what his biggest fear of disclosure was.
1: Fundamentalist Christians. He would think ah. if this got traction, they would rise up and, and revolt. And there'd be this war between religious factions, some pretending it wasn't there, others embracing the message, others thinking it was a, an enemy message, kind of like the yahoos that went to California, drove five hours, they claimed, to do nothing but destroy. And it was in a public park.
5: Well, they didn't claim to be fundamentalists, I don't think.
1: Yes, they did. God is King, uh, God is King, and
5: well, they put know, up this
1: co- real, real cheap plywood wooden cross, you know that's a proper way to venerate the king, right oh yes uh i that
5: sounds like showmanship almost
1: because you mean uh, more kabuki
5: theater that yeah, better put uh that's um yeah i I don't find that amongst. Christians. I mean, they're they're either so cocksure that they're uh, if they're that devout in faith that they're um, you know it, it can't be that way. But none of the uh, churches, the mainstream churches, have that opinion anymore.
1: No, I mean the Vatican. The Vatican said, "Hey, aliens, come on in." Yeah, what but you got to separate it? you know the intelligentsia from the masses, and it doesn't take anything to get the masses incited to do anything if you give them you know the proper messaging as we have learned Learned. over the last several years. I'm just saying, I think Art's um,
5: concern in that area was perhaps overblown. The, the only time that I know something like that included was, this is actually Art Bell back before he was fully syndicated. Mm -hmm. I used to listen to various A&M radio stations that would just fade in and out and I'd switch to another one. And one of them was in St. George, Utah. And when he had something about extraterrestrial stuff, not just UFOs, you know, but face on Mars, that kind of thing, the dreaded, the dreaded Hoagland, things like that, <laughs> um, they, they would have technical issues and the show wouldn't run. That's right. That was the only one that did that. You know, the, sta- the station in Reno, hey, they didn't care uh, if they were listening at all. Uh, Las Vegas, not a problem. Um, I forget where the one in California was, but you know, no problem. But the St. George, Utah, oh, they'd have technical issues if there was something on there about Martians. So but that's not very many people. And <laughs> it's certainly not even representative of the uh Church of Latter day Saints. Uh they're all about it. You know, they're all about extraterrestrial contact and reconnect with our ancient ancestors. So I think that's a very, very small faction. And I think they would accommodate themselves.
1: Differently once it happened.
8: Laura, yeah. I'd
1: like—I was going to say—do yeah, go you want ahead. to make your comments public, please?
8: Well, I want to say something about this fundal. I don't know if it's just fundamental Christian. I thought I had heard that um, there were the, that the fundamentalist Christian. Uh, What do I want to say? I'm trying to be really careful here with with what I say. Ah, Go for it. I was going to say, how about being
1: careful? You're on the other side of the night. Anything goes.
8: Well, that, that was what was behind the lack of disclosure by our government. Were those factions uh, in in government, maybe in the Pentagon, and that that's why we were never going to get disclosure.
1: That's been one theory, yes, yes.
8: It Related fundamentalists. Yes, and so I actually. Within the system, within it, the system,
5: right. not just random churches.
8: Yes, exactly. And I wanted to bring that up with Stephen Bassett, but I didn't. And another part of this monolith story, excuse me. That I wanted to mention is likening it to the crop circles. Ah. and uh, The crop circles would pop up and people would claim responsibility for them, Doug and Dave. And I think they were the fall guys because then every crop circle that popped up after that, people would just say, oh, that's just Doug and Dave. Well, no, wasn't just making those.
1: Well, no one ever asked the obvious question: When did they become multi-millionaires and could jump all over the world and create vast complexes overnight that no one ever saw them doing?
8: And and those some of those crop circles are so complex and aren't just circles, but are
1: multi-levelled expressions of tetrahedral torsion field geometry,
8: again and and, and again and again. Who was destroying them? Exactly. Right. Right. So, then there was
1: a whole wave of people remember the the kind of crop circle imitators that would give contests in Britain uh, Bob you ought to know about this talk about crop circles in the British culture
6: not an expert on that I'm afraid
1: <laughs> yeah but you've been there you've lived through it you've seen things happen you've seen news reports yeah, but it's,
6: mostly, it's, mostly, yeah, but it's mostly in places like Wilco uh, so far away from where I've ever lived um, yeah, well there was Doug and Dave wasn't there who uh, who, uh, who a guy from a pub who created crop circles with planks and rope or something but nothing complicated um, so but the popular was
1: wisdom was Laura's absolutely right as soon as that was proffered the news media all said oh mystery solved it's Doug and Dave and they went on to something else probably Kim Kardashian. Well,
6: if it, well, if, it's, yeah. if it is if it, if it is it is done by people.
1: Kim Kardashian makes crop circles
6: well, yeah, that,
8: with,
2: that with, with a certain part of her body.
8: <laughs> that was the headline in the Daily News that I just put in the Skype window is, uh, from tomorrow today Sunday's daily news that the monoliths are uh, mystery solved and it's this art cooperative in mm-hmm. Santa Fe, New Mexico. Yeah, yeah. So that was the headline that the mystery was solved. And that reminded me of Doug and Dave, Mystery Solved. We're
6: definitely
1: posting that tomorrow night. You know, we not just guys.
6: distract people from any. That's messages. what it is, exactly, Bob. The, you know, it's the, like the sophistic- sophistication of a lot of the crop circles mathematically uh, in terms of esoteric. You know, knowledge that kind of thing, it's distracted attention away from that. Just as people saying we made it we, with the uh, sentinel obelisks uh, distracts from people looking any deeper into that subject that it might be from uh, an organized group that, um
1: well see, it's obvious. Messaging. It, it's ob- exactly. It's obvious that the Utah guys, you know the employees, the four of them, the chopper pilot, the three biologists, who were supposed to have been scientists you can see as they approached this, their science was left at the chopper. They didn't bring a tape measure, they didn't bring a flashlight. They, didn't le- they noted that the obelisk was pointing down that cleft at the end of the canyon. They never went over, at least on video, to look to kind of go down as far to see if it was pointing to something important like a library yeah. why they're supposed to be scientists or was it all part of a time released aspirin set piece where they're the guys that quote coincidentally founded when in fact it's on a ritual calendar and the 18th of November of 2020 after Trump was you know unelected and Biden was, you know, d- decreed the president-elect, it was time to resume, as I said two weeks ago, the plan for disclosure that the Trump years had interrupted.
4: Or, or, Richard, you're a math guy. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump, President Trump, is the 40th president of the United States. 2021 marks 45 years since 1976 and the face on Mars.
1: Oh, you're right. You're absolutely right. Now, when when, when and Trump the other day, and this gets into very dangerous territory because we have people, you know, Trump people who are very fragile. You know, you can't mention this guy in any light other than totally laudatory. So here goes nothing. The other night, out of nowhere, the president records a 46-minute piece of video for Facebook. None of the networks will carry it. It's only available to Facebook because they're the only ones that will carry it. But Everyone commenting on the video makes comment of how long it was, his monologue, to a closed camera. There were no press. Nobody else in the room. He's in the diplomatic room doing this one-on-one. Forty-six minutes. Forty-six minutes. And it appears the same day as the Romanian monolith at 46 degrees suddenly appears. And who... If the president really did lose and Joe Biden really did win, who's going to become the 46th president of the United States? Joe Biden. So we're looking in my model at codes within codes within codes within codes. And all I can say is over the next few weeks, between now and January 20th, look forward to anything happening and I'm going to lay out one absolutely extraordinary, outrageous hypothesis that fits all this. I'm going to do it tomorrow night. Everybody's got about 45 seconds.
5: Uh, okay. Do you know the Busigi Sphinx, also in Romania, as at 45 degrees?
1: Okay. Well, there's a whole yeah, panoply of I... stuff. I don't think that the, the – the, I mean, you can't move the Sphinx. You can move the monolith. The monolith could be cited precisely to be part of the mathematics, which is what I think. Right, but there's a
5: whole lot of that stuff that relates
1: to there. Uh, Yeah, and I I can't wait to talk to Tom. Okay, um, anybody else? Laura, any last thoughts? He's been very silent tonight. Um, Tomorrow night, we're going to change that. Andrew, Mm. Bob? Uh,
6: Well, I think tomorrow night, you should do a little bit about the return of the Ryugu asteroid sample.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely.
6: They've, they've just located a capsule in Australia.
1: So reminds me of, you know. That could
6: be a bit of disclosure.
1: Are you kidding? They visited a tetrahedral, you know, spacecraft and brought four pounds, oh, no. give or take, home. Hey, guys, you hear the music? We're out of time. I want to thank all my guests. You can go to the website and read who they are. Some will be back tomorrow night. Some new people may show up. Who knows? Maybe even the guys who do the monolith. So until tomorrow night, same time, same bad channel, third star on the left, straight on till morning. Good night, everyone, and pleasant dreams.